Hello, welcome to the Smallwood Sessions. I'm your host, Josh Taylor. Thanks for joining us this week. Welcome to Mega Quarantizzle episode number, again, I, I lost count. I don't know, we've been doing this for a long time. We're still in uh, lockdown stuff going on. We're in phase two here in New York, so stuff's starting to open up, but not really. You know, we still got to be safe out there. We still got to be wearing our masks. We still got to be doing all that stuff. But welcome to the Smallwood Sessions, where we're going to have stupid fun and a little bit of heart. Um... This episode is called The Podcast of the Crystal Skull. As those of you know who have been listening, know that the co-host Dave has never seen Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, guess what? Last week, Dave watched Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and we're going to hear his hot take on that. But first of all, I had a friend of mine come in, um, a guy named Jeremiah Thompson, a wonderful actor in the area. I had the privilege of being in Shakespeare in love with him uh, just recently, right before all the um, shit went down and theater was over for a little while. So the last show I did uh, was Shakespeare in Love, and I had the privilege of sharing the stage with uh, Jeremiah Thompson, and I actually had the privilege of sitting down for a nice little talk with him uh, just the other day. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, here's some other stuff we've been working on. Thanks, guys. Uh, this is Thank just, goodness. Yeah, this is just so we can see each other. <laughs> As it is with Zoom, I can't stand staring at my own face this whole time. Yeah, I hate it. Um, I it, it annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> but uh, you know, I gotta say, God bless Zoom. It's been letting me do a lot of stupid stuff during this quarantine. So yeah, it's. It, I, I feel like I'm on a learning curve with all different technology, all different communication. Just yesterday, I did a chat in like. Facebook has its own, Facebook Messenger has its own version of Zoom. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Now I do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to try, my kids do that. They do uh, the uh, Messenger Kids, and with that, they can talk to all their friends. And it's, it's actually one of the most adorable things to see those guys on, like, one of those meetings with four of their friends. They're planning parties for when this is all over. It's great. <laughs> oh, that is sweet. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, the, I'm glad that they're optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, we can have parties of nine or less of you with masks. Uh, <laughs> At this point, I'm hoping to have a happy new year party in 2021. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've, uh, we went over to my mom's on uh, Memorial Day. Um, mm-hmm. We were out in the backyard. We had a barbecue and uh, we've all been really good. Um, and I think we, we kind of owed that to ourselves to go do that and see my mom and we were safe and we have been. Um, and honestly, good. Uh, I've said it before. We all got this during Annie, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, God, you remember because it, it, it. I think uh, CNYP was the epicenter because yeah. it, oh, it yeah. held over and the the plague that ran through Shakespeare in Love. Yep, it was oh, the same. It goodness. was the same thing. Uh, it was Rich uh, Rich Bosick there. He was the plague monkey, I believe. For that oh, thing. is he patient zero? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Because um, he he went to the doctor and everything, and they said you have flu like symptoms and a respiratory something, but we don't know yeah. what it is. And two months yes. later, it's we know what it is. Um, yeah, because yeah. the, the first person I remember having something like that was Zach, because he was doing Wait Until Dark, and he was just coming out of that, and it was so bad he missed a couple of. Uh, rehearsals or performances or something like that he didn't have a voice and then he came into uh you know to do, do Shakespeare and I'm like oh my god you sound terrible he's like no I'm fine yeah and then Shakespeare all just <laughs> gets the yep. plague you, you had oh. it you were sick for, you were sick for a while though you were sick for a good two weeks right you missed uh oh yeah rehearsals yeah I mean I'm pretty sure that uh you know we all got it I'm actually uh I just got an appointment uh yesterday to get the antibody test uh 
So uh -huh. if I did have it and I do have the antibodies, then I can go donate blood and stuff and help out people uh, that need it uh, for that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then if I get the antibody test, I can kind of be like, oh, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll still wear masks to protect people that aren't, um, but, you know. Um, but you're going to walk around a little bit like a superhero. You're like, yes, my blood has magical properties. Yep, a little bit. Like, um, I can heal you. Worship me. <laughs> I can heal you with my <laughs> magic blood. Exactly. I will lay hands on you. We'll... Yeah. Like so a, um, a true blood situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, what have you been doing during the quarantine? How are you keeping busy? Oh my goodness. It's, it's all a blur. It, it's so it, it's, I honestly, the other day I was like, okay, so June is, is I, I was like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like May 15th right now. It, it was, May 25th. It's we're, we're almost into June. I have just no idea where I was. So when you ask what I've been doing, uh, we've been doing a lot of puzzles. We've been doing, we've got one puzzle. I can't, obviously, because it's a puzzle, I can't hold it up. But I mean, it's a, it's a cool Captain Marvel puzzle. Ooh. The artwork on it is beautiful. Um, yeah. But we have so many pieces that are, I know this is a radio show, but that are just Oh. Solid blue, oh, man. There, there have got to be, yeah. Because we, we did another one that was a thousand piece Avenger puzzle that was just beautiful. Yeah, it had enough detail that it was it was doable. This, mm -hmm. I feel like a third to more than a third are just these solid blue pieces, and we kind of hit a wall with that. Yeah, I did. Um, uh, I did the Iron Throne. Um, actually, before ooh. the quarantine, I got it for my birthday last year, and I started it last May, and yeah. I finished it. Uh, probably in September. Uh, and I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't working on it every day, but I, it yeah, took me yeah, a yeah. good four months just to get that damn thing done. Uh, nope. cause it was all, it was the iron throne. It's all a bunch of swords. You look at it and you're like, Oh, that's pretty easy. And then you realize every piece looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. This gray sword looks exactly like that gray sword. Yeah. Um, when we finish this, or if we can just make room on the table, I've got this really cool Cobra commander puzzle that's up next and a map of the United States with these, uh, the national parks on it. So oh, that's great. Yeah. We've got puzzles to keep us going. We've been watching a lot of Disney plus a lot of the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Um, just the other night I introduced my girlfriend, I introduced Sarah to a movie that I have not seen since I was seven years old, which is the black cauldron from oh, Disney. Wonderful. Which is one of, Apparently, it's a very polarizing movie. It's considered one of Disney's worst animated features. There's, there's no songs in it, mm -hmm. no uh, singing animals. I guess Gurgi's kind of a singing, talking animal, but... He's a, he's a foil. I mean, they have that com yeah. the one comic foil, but he doesn't have a song. There's no, El there, you know, there's no Elton John song. There's no uh, Phil Collins song in the background. It's not even Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I love that one. Um, that's, yeah. that's one of my favorites and it's either your favorite or it's either one of your favorites or you hate it. Like you said, it's very polarizing. Um, and I am of the camp that I love that. I love that movie. Um, with, uh, uh, and I can see the criticisms of it. I can see the flaws in it, but it's also, it's, uh, it's astonishingly beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that was, uh, oh God, his name is escaping. Who's the guy that did American tale? Don Bluth. Don Bluth. That's what uh, I was going to say. It looks like a Don Bluth film. Yeah. His fingerprints, his DNA is very present in a lot of the character designs. Um, and I think this was either like the last one that he was with Disney for or just after he left, which is another reason why it was considered part of Disney's Dark Age. Hmm. Uh, so that's something we watched. We're going to probably dip into the 
Into the Vault again. Uh, Sarah wants to watch The Rescuers, which is another one I haven't seen since forever. That's a good one. Uh, we actually just watched, uh, we just watched that with the kids. And uh, nice. the, the good thing with Rescuers is there's a second one. And the second one, I like better. I Rescuers Down Under, I like a lot more. That's, um, it's a boy movie. And I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, uh, quantify things like that. But sure, sure. It, it was made for boys. The Rescuers was, the first one was more geared towards girls because uh, it was a girl that was kidnapped it was okay. uh, uh, miss bianca was the hero all that stuff and if you if you look at it it was more geared towards girls and i came up of that age you know i'm i'm just turned 40 so when rescuers was coming out i was sure the age where it was coming out and rescuers down under when i was a 10 12 year old boy i think that came out 1992 um mm-hmm. i i mean it was the best it was the best disney movie i'd ever seen because as a as a boy, it didn't have a princess. It wasn't a princess movie, and that that's mm. kind of it's kind of weird to say. Um, and, and the I boys need rescuing too. It. Yeah, I mean, no, I almost I, I, I always get what you're saying. Well, and I think you're tapping. Hey, I mean, you're tapping into the importance of representation. You know, seeing yourself on screen, seeing yourself as a character, and 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 not just as the the male protagonist who who rescues the princess, but as it because in Rescuers Down Under, it's a little boy that gets kidnapped. Is that what? Is that my remembering yeah, that correctly? Yeah, he's he's hanging out with the eagle, and they go to poach the eagle, and then they take him. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. It's a boy. It's a little boy, and uh, it's basically. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a Steve Irwin autobiography about his young life because it's it's pretty That's much amazing. young Steve Irwin. That's how he became the crocodile hunter. Exactly. So I was rescued by these two mice. <laughs> yeah. I was rescued by two mice, and then I went. And now I just love <laughs> old nature. Yeah, um, but that's a, that's a great movie, and it's super underrated. Um, nobody yeah, that's on the list. Rescuers down under, and it's another one. Both of those are ones without real songs um, and without real, <laughs> at least memorable songs. I mean, there might be a song in those, but it's a again like a Phil Collins back. like a tie-in. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing how much I, I think in quarantine, a lot of us are gravitating towards comfort you know there's a joke about everybody wearing sweatpants on zoom calls um i have eaten probably more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the last month than i have in the last 10 years of my life because uh, there's just something comforting and wholesome about a pb and j uh watching we just did a rewatch of season three of stranger things and my god talk about a nostalgia machine yeah that's a tv show i love both yes it evokes that nostalgia but it's so good in its own right the the kids and their acting and the the storytelling it, it I contend that it is its own thing and not just a, a product of nostalgia, but man, it hits you on both those fronts. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, with Stranger Things, in my opinion, it it was basically made in the 80s. It wasn't made to be the 80s. It, it's something that could have been made just as easily in the 80s as it did now. Yeah. It didn't change a thing. And I think that's great because they're not trying to be 80s. They're just like, this is what we want to make. This is We're going to write about us being kids, which – we're roughly, uh, we're of the same age here. So, I mean, yeah. we, we were those kids, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and their, the production design and the way they capture the, the tactile nature of, the, of that decade and the, the aesthetics. I was thinking about this the other day. Do you remember how, like, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, uh, when they made Indiana Jones, they were basically taking those, uh, you know, old serial film adventures that they would go to the theaters and they would see on Saturdays, like the Alan Quartermain stories. And they took those and they distilled that down into the pop culture that is Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, Flash Gordon, you know, uh, I guess Lucas wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie, but he couldn't, so he created Star Wars. So he took yep. all of those 
Flash Gordon pulps and turned them into this. And I really think the Duffer Brothers have now gone another level with the distillation and they've taken Lucas and Spielberg and distilled it into Stranger Things. It has the the DNA there. It's become yeah. its, its own thing, but very, very clearly an homage to those other things. Oh, well, yeah. And I've learned um, as, as a father, I got two kids. I got a seven and an eight-year-old. And I'm realizing mm-hmm. that all the things when I was a kid that were popular and that were cool are popular and cool again, because nice. we're the people making stuff now. <laughs> like yes. the people, the people yes. making the things are the 30 to 40 year old people now who grew up on that, on that grew up on, you know, Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, yes. uh, you know, GI Joe, all this stuff. And it's D&D. all coming back and D and it's all coming back because now we're in the position to be like, yes, this is the market. This is what we want. And you know, that's why we got, 18 crappy Michael Bay Transformers movies and then the G.I. <laughs> yeah. Joe movies, you know, and the yep. new Ninja Turtles reboot, all that stuff came out because it's us making the content now. And that's the content from our childhood. Yes. And it's, I, I will be honest with you. Sometimes that makes me a little self-conscious, a little bit paranoid because that old expression, uh, you know, I used, I spoke as a child and I thought as a child and then I put away childish things. I know I'm totally maligning, you know, messing up that quote, but it's like, we, never had to put away our childish things. Right, right. right. I've, always, I've always had them out. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't, I know we're on, on radio here, but I've got a, a, a wall of Funkos behind me. Oh, wow, that's like, impressive. <laughs> like, and some of them are mine, some of them are my girlfriends, and we're like, oh yeah, I, I have to have the new Captain Marvel. Oh, there's Thor with a beard. Yeah. Whatever it is, we can still have our toys. Um, in some ways, that's awesome because we don't have to, you know, as a, I don't know about you, but as a kid, sometimes I had to hide my nerdiness. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but then like the grim and depressing side of that is, you know, our generation doesn't have the same economic wherewithal as the boomers or the, you know, whoever it is that came before us. And so, okay, we might not be able to have a house and a boat, but damn it, I've got a Thor Funko. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but you know what? It's an instant gratification society that we live in and you see something and you yes. buy it and, and it makes you happy. And honestly, that, that's what it's all about. You know, and then you look at that and you go, ah, yeah, Thor. And he's got a beard, <laughs> so he's better than the other. Thor. You know, like <laughs> how many Funko Pops they come out with? You know, there's got to be thousands of those. Oh, things. my gosh. They're so for many. everything. So many. Yeah, and and people buy them. I mean, I went um, when we were doing Shakespeare in Love. I actually bought the Bob Ross one for Michaela because she saw it online and said, "Man, I would love whoever came and brought me this." And I did. I was like, "Here, this is for you," because that's going to make her that's happy when cute. she looks at it. And it worth ten bucks to make somebody happy. Fine, that's that's great. And now here's the question, and I love that this is a question: Which Bob Ross? Because apparently there are three Bob Ross Funkos. Yep. There's one where I- he's got a, a raccoon. One with a giant paintbrush and one other one, I think. It was it was the raccoon one. Yeah, only because it was the only one I could find. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then they become rare and they're chase ones and you suddenly oh, yeah. find yourself on Mercari trying to hunt down the one that has this and not that. Yep. And oh my goodness. It's, it's, do you remember when comic book trading cards were a thing? Uh, I have the entire 1992 collection of Marvel Masterpiece cards. So yes, yes I think I remember that a little. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got them somewhere. I've got so, I don't know if they're in my mom's basement or if I've got them at a case downstairs. But yes, I remember buying those by the pack and just the the excitement of trying to complete the whole set and yeah. it was, it was the hologram baseball. cards. It was baseball cards for nerds. And yes. it was great. And now... <laughs> 
but look at who rules the world now. You know, back in the day when I was a kid and I was a nerd and, I, and I'm a self-proclaimed dork. I'm not a nerd because I'm not smart enough to be a nerd. Um, and I'm not a geek because I don't know computers enough. I am a dork. Um, and I have been. I play D&D. I read fantasy books. I have a Lord of the Rings tattoo. You know, I'm a dork. And uh, um, we are inheriting the earth. Uh, the, the nerds, the geeks, <laughs> the dweebs, they're the – and in high school, and this is – maybe this yeah. is a message for the kids. You know, this is a, this is a it gets better type thing. Uh, in high school, when you were a dork and you're a nerd – and people are, you know, the jocks are putting you down and they rule the high school. They rule the high school. Let them rule the high school because you have the rest of your life to rule the world. Yeah. Because, you know, the jocks aren't ruling the world. They're not the ones making decisions, you know, and the geeks will rule the world and they are. And it's it's proved by the fact that there's thousands of Funko Pops out there that get bought by people every day. And that's it's it's ridiculous. And the Marvel Masterpiece cards, I think, really started that, you know, it's OK to be a nerd thing kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that, you, you know, you, you think about the, the kids today who might be in the position similar to where we are. Cause I, I guess, you know, maybe I might take for granted that, you know, it's easier for me as, as a geek now or as adult, uh, a dork, whatever category I actually fall into um, that, Oh, well, it must be easy for kids today too. It, it, it might not be. And it's, and to, to say two things about it. One, yes, it's okay. Embrace that geeky side, that dorky side, that nerdy side. Embrace the thing that you love. Don't worry about that. Please hold on to it. And two, the other message is don't learn the wrong thing from the jocks who run your school. Don't become gatekeepy yourself. The worst thing that I see in nerd and geek culture is all this gatekeeping nonsense of, oh, yeah. oh, oh you, you're only a fan now. Like This is happening with Avatar because Avatar The Last Airbender is now on Netflix. And Watch some people it. are like, Oh, well, I watched it originally when it was on Nickelodeon, so I'm a real fan. No. Oh, my God. Just welcome people in. You don't have to quiz them on their knowledge. You don't have to make them prove that they're a real fan. If they like something that you like, that's someone else that you can talk to. Open the doors. Don't be gatekeepy, kids. And adults. Don't be gatekeepy. We all had a first time, too. We yes. all had the first time we watched something. I'm a fish fan, so I get this all the time. People are always like, oh, well, yeah. uh, you know, you're a fish fan, so you don't, you don't want to talk to me unless I know blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. I, have you ever heard fish? No? Here, listen to this. It's awesome. Like, I, I want people to like what I like so we can talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 42, and I am only just now really learning about D&D. I never played D&D when I was a kid. The first oh, time wow. I had played any kind of role-playing game, I was in grad school. Uh, and that was the first time I was introduced to it. Um, I don't know exactly why I didn't get into it when I was a kid. I think that, you know, growing up in the 80s, there was that satanic panic thing. Not that my parents were particularly religious or, or mm-hmm. prohibitive in those ways, but I never found it when I was a kid. Uh, it's come around now as an adult. I will tell you it's intimidating because it feels like there's just so much that you have to know. But I've had some really great people, some friends who play it and who have been welcoming to me. And if they were gatekeeping and they were like, well, if you don't know what a level 10 paladin can do, you can't play with us. I would still just be off in the dark. I wouldn't know anything about anything. So I've been fortunate to have people uh, let me play in their world and uh, and I'm better for it. Now, have you been playing online or is this uh, before all this stuff? Happened. I have not. I have not played on the the bigger problem, though. I will say this about being an adult is the difficulty of trying to align grown up schedules. Yes. <laughs> trying to find a time that you can get people all together, because I think that's the other obstacle with D and D is that 
you know, unlike video games where you can easily have, you know, just be one person playing an elaborate, like Skyrim is kind of in that, that oeuvre. Of or, uh, uh, I mean, Diablo, I'm pretty yes. sure is just a D&D game, right? I mean, at least there's like, there's games that are straight up D&D video games you can go play and you're on a campaign by yourself, but to actually play D&D, you need at least two people. I mean, at the very least. Exactly. Two. Yeah, two, three, four people, all of whom who have schedules that, and then suddenly you sit down and you're like, okay, well, we'll get together three months from now. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's the next, that's the next time none of us are in a show or mm-hmm. none of us are traveling or doing other fun adult things. Well, it's like uh, Risk. I try, yeah. I try and get a game, a Game of Thrones Risk going every couple of months uh, or so, and to get to get you know five, six people that can get together for four hours at least, yeah. you know, like because a game of risk isn't, you're not going to be done with that in an hour. Um, and it's real tough, but, uh, you know, the one time you get it, you get, uh, I have game of Thrones risk. So you can play with two boards. Um, you play with Westeros and Essos and you can play with up to like eight people. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, and we played a game with eight people. It took about that many hours, I think to finish the game, but it was the whole time. It was just epic. And I have the That's game of Thrones music playing in the background and uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> now, did the game have a more satisfying ending than the show? <laughs> uh, yes, actually. I Well, not really. Actually, uh, when we played that game, uh, Josh Mealy, I believe, uh, pretty much just came over from Essos and destroyed all of Westeros. So actually, I guess, yes, it did have a more satisfying ending than the show. <laughs> Which bothers me. Oh, my goodness. Me because, oh, man. Yeah. I, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet, and I might have to, you know, this is a gripe I have. I enjoyed the last season um mostly i took it i took i took it for what it was uh because i knew that they had four seasons worth of stuff that they had to take care of in eight episodes so i took it kind of with a grain of salt going all right well okay they they had to do that they had to wrap that up but then the the last episode i was like no fuck you (laughs) i can't i can't justify this anymore yeah, and to be honest, I don't even I don't even know that they had to. I mean, was was HBO saying you have to end this show now? Uh, there's no more money. There's no more demand for good Game of Thrones episodes. I think it was the creators who were you know they were doing such a they had such a, a cash cow, and then you know their name was at the top of the list for everything. They were going to get their own Star Wars movies, if I remember correctly, and they were like. Oh yeah, we could do Star Wars movies. Yeah, we're we're done with Game of Thrones. Let's let's wrap this up. We can do this in six episodes. Come on. Yeah. And the uh, the I think I liked it through season seven. I think it's it was really from season five on. I felt like it really got drained. Yeah. Uh, but I stuck with it. I stuck with it. I was definitely a fan. I was definitely on board. But man, oh man, that ending. I, I've never had an ending so thoroughly spoil the rest of the experience. You know? Really? You don't, uh, did you watch The Sopranos? Did you do that? <laughs> no, that? I know what you're talking about, but no, uh, I never had that investment. Okay. I was, uh, never had HBO well, to experience that. As someone who was invested in that show and, uh, and I watched that show for the whole time and for that show to end the way it did, um, yeah, in my book, it's worse than what they did with Game of Thrones. Uh, because oh my gosh! Okay. Just, 
just because in Game of Thrones, there were cool episodes in that final season. There were a lot of cool scenes in that final season. You know, oh, like, sure, sure. like they did all that stuff. And I think the ending was, the ending was not good, but uh, the ending was in my mind, like the ending to Lord of the Rings where they should have just ended it. And then they went on for another 20 minutes and mm. like, we didn't need to see the stuff we saw at the end, you know, like, a lot of the, the stupid line with the Sam trying to start freaking democracy. And, <laughs> like that's just, come on. Like, yeah, we're all, we're all, we're all for cheeky humor every once in a while, but that's just, come on. And that could have been a really interesting idea if they had, it's one of the things that George R. R. Martin showed that he was very good at doing was planting these seeds Mostly, I think deliberately, it looks like there's a design, but like if you're a good storyteller, everything looks like design from, you know, from a certain point of view or from, from later on in the story. Um, but he would plant these plot seeds that would come to fruition later in the series. They could have done that if they wanted with Sam and the whole democracy thing that, you know, because Daenerys is talking about doing away with leaders and breaking the wheel and uh, there could have been sort of a, a coming together to create a parliament of uh, you know a, a constitutional monarchy in Westeros or something like that. Yeah. Instead of we get the story of Bran the Broken, who has a better story than that? Like, uh, okay, uh, sure. Yeah. And I, none I, of us care anymore. And like the 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 my problem with the whole thing is Bran in general. The character arc of yes. Bran through the whole show just makes me just so mad because like he's this little turd for in the beginning he's a cool kid and i loved brand first episode i loved brand then he gets thrown out the window and i'm like oh that sucks i liked this little monkey kid that was climbing up on the, the stuff he was fun <laughs> he was gonna yeah. he was gonna bring some adventure to this and then he's laid up and i'm like okay well maybe he'll become hard and badass and and really cool but he turned into a whiny little bitch and we had to deal with that for a while and then he became moody creepy teenage brand uh when he came became the raven came back was talking with sansa super creepy and then as soon as they're like oh you know what you're the king he's like oh hey it's me normal affable brand again i'm not a super weirdo anymore and it's like what the hell dude you're still a super weirdo yeah and and this even the, the writing like he specifically has a line at one point in i think it was it was either at the end of season seven or the beginning of season eight where he's like yeah i can't be lord of anything and then they're like, how about King? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that he's just like, sure. Where if, if he was actually the three-eyed raven, he'd be like, no, I can't do this. My position is over here watching things. You know, and one of the things about uh, uh, nerddom and fandoms and the internet that is uh, kind of, it's sometimes infuriating, sometimes fun is fan theories. Oh yeah, And I was so frustrated because I read a fan theory that was actually so much better than what we got. It still preserved essentially the ending, but imagine if there was some sort of clever reveal where it turned out that the three-eyed raven was the bad guy all along. I and thought that, that he manipulated circumstances so that he does become king of Westeros. Mm -hmm. And that somehow narratively we, the audience, are made to get this sort of like holy... Can we swear on this holy crap moment or? Oh yeah, no, we can swear on it. We are, we are explicit. Okay, a holy shit moment of like all this time he, he did this and, and, and the, the, uh, the Night King was actually trying to stop the Three-Eyed Raven from taking everything over. Uh, that could have been, and I'm not explaining this fan theory very, very, very well, but just to have some 
twist, not just for the sake of a twist, because I think that's what D&D, what the, the creator, the showrunners kind of latched onto. Mm. Like, spoiler alert, Ned Stark being uh, killed in the, at the end of the first season is a huge twist. Mm. And uh, to use the term, subversion of expectations. But it's beautiful and brilliant because it actually serves the, the reality of that story and the reality of that world. But then they just went and started doing twists for no real reason. Yeah. Like uh, Daenerys hears the bells and burns the entire city after well, okay, seven okay. seasons of saying, I would never kill innocents. That's one or, That's one that I, I will dispute that one, though, because um, okay. that one I feel is something they were, they were planting that seed. They've been, they were planting that seed from the very beginning because you had the Mad King, you had the Targaryen blood, you had her brother being a pissant, and you saw that the Targaryens could be that. And I agree. I think the execution, the seed was there, but the execution right. was terrible. Exactly. Could have been much better done. I think it, they were trying, and then that was one where they were like, no, nah, fuck it, let's just do it. She's going to light it up. And uh, it was like, no, there needed to be, there needed to be even five more minutes of a turn. I'm not even talking about a whole episode. There yes. just needed to be a little bit more of a, uh-oh, ding dong, now you're done. Like that's, that, what, that didn't do it for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you that the seeds were there for the, for the heel turn, if you want to call it that, mm. uh, for the descent into madness and the emergence of the Mad Queen. I feel the storytelling was handled so poorly. I think the use of Jon Snow, like, why was Jon Snow resurrected? Yeah. Like, quite literally, he did nothing at the, at the Battle of, of Winterfell. You know, he gets pinned down by the dragon, and Arya teleports in to kill the Night King. Okay, I guess. Um, but he, he doesn't do anything there. For the next several episodes, he just kind of mopes around saying, she is my queen, and then half-heartedly stabs her at the end and goes into exile north of the no longer existent wall. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, they brought him back because, you know, for the ladies um, and then the gentlemen that like that kind of thing. I think that's why Jon Snow was brought back because he was a... He was a yeah. They kind of, I, I mean, Game of Thrones is not a show to pander uh, to the audience and not kill people off, but I feel like they needed to be like, there's hope, guys. Maybe all these people we've killed aren't going to, they had to bring one person back so you had that glimmer of hope that maybe Marjorie Tyrell, like, didn't get blown up in the set. Right, you know, like, right. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Oh, no. Yeah, I, and I think that, you know, part of the what they ran into were the constraints of storytelling, because one of the things the world establishes in the first season um, w with the execution of Ned Stark is this holy shit moment of nobody is safe. Hmm. Everything you think you know about storytelling, that the good guy, uh, the protagonist, the main character, oh, he's not the main character at all. Like, I didn't know anything going into, into Game of Thrones, and I thought, oh, I'm going to watch Sean Bean do some things over a number of seasons. Nope. Well, I mean, um, you you did know Sean Bean's career, though. I mean, you <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> touche. Touche. Um, but no, I was like, oh, finally, he got a show where he's the lead, and yeah. he'll be okay. Nope. nope. Um, you know, he's not the Boromir of the group who's expendable. Um, <laughs> he's the Aragorn this time. All right. Finally. Nope. nope. <laughs> uh, but the further you go along, it's clear now that the story needs Daenerys. Otherwise, there's no reason for us to be over in Essos. Mm -hmm. The story needs 
Johnson, because they become point of view characters, and I know that's how they're done in the novels. I will admit, I have not read the novels. I, I have not either. I hear they're, um, uh, they're, they're split up into books that like you read through as X and then you read through as Y and then it, it goes through the whole thing and you're actually seeing different viewpoints through the whole thing. Um, right. And I, I, tr I tried to read the books. I tried to read the first book. Oh man, that thing reads like the Bible and I couldn't. Oof. I couldn't get it's like he begat he and they begat them and it's like the first season um if you have not watched game of thrones yet people listening to this podcast i'm sorry that we just spoiled a bunch of shit for you um, yeah but go watch game of thrones it's awesome make it through the first season and then you know get really drunk when you watch the last season um that's what we did um the first season's tough to get through because there's so much uh you have to know who this person is. You have to know who this person is to this person. You have to, and trying to read that for me, when um, I started trying to read it when I had real young kids and, you know, I'd be mm -hmm. sitting there and I'd try and read and I just couldn't, it read like the Bible. He begat him, he begat them, they did this. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. And then the show came out because I actually started it. My buddy gave me the book before the show. I'm not trying to be like, ooh, look at me. But uh, my buddy gave me the book before the show, and I start. He's like, "You're gonna love this," because I'm into that stuff. I read all the uh, Dragonlance Chronicles and all those books that are amazing. Uh, go check those out too. Um, but uh, I'm like, "Yeah, this will be great. I love books like this." And I mean, I, I couldn't even get through it. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god!" And I'm, you know, I have the ring on my arm. I'm a big Tolkien fan and, and all that stuff, and and I couldn't get through that book. I was like, uh. "But I think if I had gotten through the first couple chapters figured out where everybody yeah. was at then i would have been okay he does do a lot and i'm i'm, I'm this is a qualified statement because again i haven't read the novels but my understanding is that that martin does a tremendous amount of world building and in his world building because he was inspired by i've read a lot with him and, and seen interviews with him he He's inspired by, on the one hand, Tolkien and that rich world that, that he creates in Middle Earth, but also the just actual uh, European and British history. Like it was inspired a lot by the War of the Roses, I think, yep. in terms yep. of uh, things that were going on with Baratheons and the the uh, oh god, J Lannisters, uh, yep. and and, and yep. there, those relationships and everything there, and the way that this person was married to that person and betrothed this person, but stolen away by that person, and all of these sorts of, and so there are these intricate social dynamics playing out and then in the background you've got this woman who hatches some dragon eggs mm -hmm. and so it's like what if we had actual sort of medieval europe and there was a fantasy element so it's a really yeah and, and really but, but it requires some some work i guess to get into that and to, to navigate through those relationships well when you're yeah when you're creating an entire world um yes. from the ground up it, it takes you know four or five chapters to figure some of that stuff out and uh i just at the time i just didn't have the time really um i think now if i picked them up i'd probably do it i, I could probably get through them uh, i have a little more time now but um I don't know, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and I think that, so the point that I want to circle back is that like at the, with that first season, when they, they kill the main character, who you think the main character is, you're mm -hmm. suddenly like, oh my gosh, everybody's vulnerable. But as you kind of go through season by season and you realize, okay, these people are kind of central to the story, mm -hmm. they ended up developing a bad case of plot armor where it yeah. was then very difficult to create suspense. There was, there's a scene in, I think it's season seven, where they go north of the wall and they're fighting the dead and John mm -hmm. falls through the ice and it looks like he's going to drown. Like, and any, 
in any real world situation or any world that is what the first season seemed to establish, oh, that's when he dies. And surprise, surprise, Sam is the real hero. Yeah. But there was at that point so much buy-in to Jon Snow and perhaps to Kit Harrington as an actor mm. that you're watching the scene and you can't, you're like, okay, so how are they going to rescue him? There's no actual, because the constraints of the narrative, you know what's going to happen. And it takes you out of it a little bit. It's that, harder to really be invested then. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, you know, that stuff aside, um, that was a wonderful episode. I loved, uh, like, that's what I'm saying. I kind of well, take, take, the... take away the bullshit and watch the episode as, um, you know, a piece of art, a piece of cinema, cinematography. Oh my God, that's such a good episode. And then you see that part. And I personally, I never bought in to anyone being safe. I mean, no matter what, no matter how invested we are to anybody, I would always watch that show going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how invested I am in Jon Snow right now. He, there's a chance that he's going to die. He's already died once. You know, like. So it, when he fell through the ice, did you think, oh, this might be it? Did you, were you or, actually nervous? Or, I wouldn't say I was actually nervous, but there was a part of me that was like, he could die here. Like, I'm like, I wasn't, I didn't think it was going to happen, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he did. Mm. Like, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if they were just like, you know what? No, he, he's not working this time either. We're going to kill him again. I'll be honest. The last death that really surprised me in that show was Oberon Martell. Uh, oh, yeah. He fought the mountain. Uh, I again, I hadn't read the book, so I I'd, I would see things on the internet where people mm. would say things like, "Oh yeah, the Oberon Martell storyline is great," and and during that season, I was like, "Oh, this is that character everybody's been talking about." People from the books know this character. Who've read the books know this character. Oh, um, maybe in this season he's going to he's going to win the trial by combat, and next season he and Tyrion are going to team up. And then when I got to that scene, <laughs> and and everybody out there, if you haven't. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, just have some headache medicine on hand, just in oh, case that yep. scene. <laughs> yep. And let's just say that uh, Pedro Pascal is now always wearing a helmet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was the last scene that left me shook and like, oh my goodness. And and it felt like after that, uh, and I think that was they were kind of running out of book material to to base the story on the TV show on. It seemed, if, uh, if not exactly predictable, um, not as fresh and surprising as it always had been. So uh, that, yeah. that might I mean, have been a turning point for me. There's a very obvious turn, though, when you see that they ran out of um, book material. Uh, the dialogue yeah. just gets so different. Um, I'm not going to say worse. I'm not going to say better, but I'm going to say very different. Um, yeah. Uh, like it's just not as not as smart as it was in the first few seasons. It just kind of gets like, here's what we're saying to say it. It's not flowery, and you know the, the language is much yeah. more flowery in the first four four ish seasons, and then it kind of broke off. And yeah, we're just kind of using accents now. I absolutely agree. I think that the writing got more a bit more pedestrian, and I think the characters themselves got dumber. I think, yeah. and I think even the actors, if you look, if you look at some of the interviews, I know that, um, uh, Peter Dinklage, uh, he's like, he, he came up, he, he was making a comment about the fact that in the last season, you know, when the, the Night King is coming to Winterfell, they hide all of the, uh, the women and children down in the crypt where the dead people are yeah. and your main bad guy can raise dead people. 
and he's like, so I guess Tyrion forgot about that. Um, I don't know how to say his name. Is it Conleth? Conleth Hill, who played uh, Varys? Uh, Varys, yeah, yep. That I've, I've seen, there's a, t there's a video of the table read of the last, uh, last season, or his last episode, and he reads his part, uh, and he just like throws the script down on the table and leans back and rolls his eyes. He's just like, yeah. because Varys was one of the smartest characters in the entire show, mm -hmm. and then in the last season, he's just like, you know, at every chance, openly conspiring against Daenerys. She, you know, she's standing on the balcony. He's talking to John down in the in the garden, saying, "Hey, we should betray the queen." Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, like, he's an idiot. Well, suddenly he turned into like the sassy girlfriend. Like he went from oh he went God. from being he went from being like a confidant and a, you know he went from being a, the leader of all these you know whatever he, the spies and all this stuff and being all great and wonderful and and then all of a sudden he literally went. And he was like Tyrion's, like, you know, sassy girlfriend that hangs out with him. He's like, mm -mm, girl, you can't do that. Like, he, tur he turned into that character. Yes. And in fact, you know, to your point about the, the writing dropping off, those two characters, I think, I think it's like at the beginning of season eight when they're going up to Winterfell, um, they're basically just making dick jokes at yeah. that point. You know, the, the Tyrion makes some joke about Varys, you know, the cold doesn't bother him because he's a eunuch. So his, you know, he doesn't have to deal with shrinkage or like, and that's, that's it. Like that's yeah. Tyrion now. Yeah. And okay. Then like, he's not, that's not Tyrion. That was never Tyrion. He's too smart to make, I mean, he would make dick jokes, but you wouldn't oh, know. He was cr dick joke. Yeah. He, he would be the type of person who could make a high class dick joke. Oh, exactly. All right, sophisticated uh, dick joke. Well, I want to see for the purposes of the podcast. Can we get a sophisticated dick joke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are, are, can you have fans? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no. But here's the question: Is it a sophisticated joke or a joke about a sophisticated dick? Ooh, uh, Those are two different things. Dealer's choice on that one. <laughs> I'd like to see what we get. So you can go to our oh, website. Oh, yes, love it. Mm. You can go to our website, smallwoodsessions.com, and uh, submit your uh, your fancy dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um yep uh I'm so just picturing dicks and bow ties or something i don't know what a sophisticated <laughs> dick with a monocle well they would only need a monocle right exactly uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well um i i have you here and this is uh i'm going to be releasing this sunday so it's sunday now when we're talking uh this is the podcast of the crystal skull because i've been naming all my podcasts after movies and we're at the end of the indiana jones run um oh my goodness so tonight actually we are doing a viewing party uh tonight being friday two days ago um we're doing a viewing party <laughs> we're doing a watch party it's like for time kingdom travel yeah we're doing a watch party of kingdom of the crystal skull because my co-host who's usually here with me dave has not seen that movie and i keep explaining to him that he doesn't want to see that movie but i'm forcing him to watch that movie no. so we're trying to get people to join us and watch it and uh, we're going to mystery science theater kind of talk about it. an installment that hurts the previous ones Oof. yeah so that that's what i'm asking uh, how about uh we'll use a couple of minutes here and i'll put this in before uh dave gives his opinion on it after he watches it but how do you feel about the kingdom of the crystal skull <laughs> Sad, just sad, 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 sad. It, uh, you know, okay, so there, there are two things. One, like, I, like, I get it. I'm not one of these people who say, I, I try to avoid saying things like, oh, you, you ruined my childhood or, or something along those lines. <sighs> but man, oh man, I, 
for me, I just like to kind of mentally write it off as sort of like a, that one didn't happen. I'm fine with just the first three movies. Um, I, I don't want to like, gosh, I just feel like, I, I hate to say this because I know other people have said this and it's kind of tr trite or maybe it's, it's snarky, but it just feels like Lucas and Spielberg, they're, they can't make the same movies that they made in the 80s. And, and I, don't, I don't even mean that as a dissident, that they're amazing filmmakers in their own right, but damn, this was just a misfire on all cylinders for, as far as I was concerned. Do but not you know like. Yeah, but I think what you just said takes us back to what we were saying uh, about the Duffer Brothers and about all this content that's coming out that's this really good 80s stuff that yes. Lucas and Spielberg were making in the 80s, and they might not be making it anymore, but the people who grew up on that are still making that stuff. And, I mean, it's evident with, with Stranger Things, um, with all kinds of stuff. Like, it, it uh, chapter one and chapter two, that was very much in the same yeah. of of uh, being that, you know, it's, it's a period... I guess the eighties is now a period piece. Um, <laughs> Woof. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to being over 40. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, it, it, technically I guess eighties would be, you know, it's like in the movies made in the eighties that are done really well like that movies made now I, that look like they're made back then are great. And, and I do wonder if there's a certain element of, of edge. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's the only word that's coming to me right now because when we were talking earlier about turning points, like turning points, like when you knew that Game of Thrones was no longer good or something like that, um, I, I feel perhaps culturally the moment for Spielberg was when he went back to E.T. and there's that scene where the kids are about to escape on their bikes and um, the, the authorities pull up to stop them. And in the original version of the film, they've got their guns out mm -hmm. because they would. And then... You know, in the whether it was like the early 2000s or late 90s when CGI made this possible, he went back and switched those guns to walkie-talkies. He's like, yeah. yeah, I never felt good about that. I I I didn't like how violent it was. I don't know if this is me being a purist or me being like, don't change my childhood or or me being a bad nerd here, but to me that kind of signals a shift in his approach to those stories and that filmmaking that then is incredibly evident in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. It's just, it's not the same Indiana Jones. It doesn't have the same feel, the same flavor, the same energy that those yeah. first three movies did. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think that the walkie-talkies in E.T. was a huge turning point for that, uh, that kind of stuff in general. Because, you know, mm. um, and that's, what, that's another thing I like about Stranger Things is that, um, what's his name? He's, he's ripping cigarettes the whole time. Because that's what they would oh, do. Oh yeah, Hopper. That's what they exactly. Did. Hopper, he's, he's smoking cigarettes the whole time. Because that's what they did in the '80s, and you can't clean that up and still say you're making a movie about the '80s. I, I grew up in the '80s with my my grandparents and my parents sitting around playing cards in the garage, just ripping. I mean, that's how you lived your life in the '80s. I mean, yeah. people. That's what it was. And if you take that stuff away, it's it's not you're not doing justice anymore. It's like doing a you know, Jane Aaron, nobody's wearing a corset, you know, like that kind of thing. It's, it's, or nobody's mm. wearing the, the costume because, oh, corsets hurt women's chest back in the day. So we don't wear them anymore, right. you know, so well, we're not going to do it. And I, and I will say one thing to, to walk myself back just a little, because I don't want to seem too ardent on this point or too much, too militant on this point, because I, on some things I'm, I'm absolutely glad to see it, it's too easy to fall into the trait uh, or the trap of, well, that's how it was back then, or 
they don't make movies like that anymore. Um, you know, I am glad to see that some of the things, some of the like shallow racist stereotypes that would have been yeah. pervasive in the 80s, we look at that now and we're like, no, that shouldn't be part of the story. Or the, the, uh, a lot of the gender stereotypes. I'm, I'm glad to see when writers can push away from that stuff and not cling on to it just because, well, that's how it was. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, in Stranger Things season three, and I won't spoil it uh, for every, I'll be kind of vague here but there's a scene where one character comes out as gay. And keep in mind, this story is set in 1985. And it, it was not as, I don't know if I'm stating the obvious here, it was not as progressive and as accepting as we are now. And I would still argue that there is a lot of work that we can still be doing in our society today. But the fact that this character is able to come out and the character that she's talking to doesn't have a huge negative reaction to. I don't know that that's really truthful to what would have happened in the 80s. It's hard to speculate, but I'm actually glad that the Duffers chose to present that character in a story from 2019 coming out to a person and being accepted because there's a kid in 2019 or 2020 who identifies with that character and in, needs to see that it's okay and needs right. to know that there are cool people or nerds or whoever that will accept you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, don't get rid of Hopper smoking. It's a character trait. I get it. Don't get rid of the walkie talk or the, the guns for walkie talkies. Yeah. But some things we don't have to hold on to just because quote unquote, that's the way it was. Right. So right, I'm off exactly. my soapbox, but uh, that's what I want to say. <laughs> All right. Well, um, well, uh, final, final question I'm going to ask you if you had yes. to choose, uh, and you could only choose, well, I'm, let's see, which one was worse, okay? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull <laughs> or oh boy. the entirety of Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So if, could, if I could be, like erase one from the fandom. Right. You're, one of them is gone. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's tough. Uh which one has redeeming qualities? I tell you what, I'll get rid of Crystal Skull. Okay. All right. So Jar Jar is staying. All right. That's, that's one. We'll keep Jar Jar. We're going to chalk that up as one vote for Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I think I would, um, I would agree with you on that. I would keep Jar Jar um, only because I think there was something else going on with Jar Jar, but we're not going to get into that weird fan theory right now. <laughs> well, I, I'd say for, for two reasons. One, I know that there are some kids who actually love Jar Jar. And, and part of me, you know, checking my nerd privilege is recognizing that not everything is for me. And if, you know, right. there's a five-year-old who thinks that Jar Jar is the best character in the world, I'm not going to tell him otherwise. Uh, and two, if you, like, that role destroyed the actor's life who yeah. played him. That that actor, what is the name, Ahmed Best, I believe? Yeah, and he he's never going to so, work again. He got so much, no, no, not just his career. Like, he got so much hate mail and so much internet hate that he slipped into a deep depression. He, there's, a, I think, a documentary about this. Um, and he, he, he didn't know. That's one of my least favorite things about nerd fandoms is the way in which we can uh, chew up real people because we don't like the characters that they play yeah and star wars has a pretty bad track record with that i'm, I'm looking at the the people who've been so mean to to rose tico and uh kelly yeah, tran well, who played her in the last jedi yeah that that you don't like rose but yeah dial it that, back a bit friends dial it, it back actors are people 
you know, they're, they're, they're playing yes. a character and, but the, we but are weird people, down, but we're people. people. Yeah. It was a weird people. And most of us, and, and I say this because I, I do a lot of acting. Uh, most of us are really insecure and uh, like, yes. like yes. We, we, you know, take it easy. Right. <laughs> um, cause I mean, yeah, they say you're your own worst critic and it's very true because I, yes. you know, nothing I ever do is good for me uh but other people might like it uh so that's what i'm hoping this podcast is but uh um, yeah as let's uh, circle back to that as actors i said i had one more question but i got one more um i know you were doing uh she kills monsters and then that got um that got put off did that get put off did that get just scrapped you guys doing a, an online thing i would i want to i want to see this show i'm just wondering what's going on with it yeah that was so sad that was i feel bad for um the, 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 there was a show that was going to go up in April, I believe, Vanities. Uh, mm -hmm. And I know that the, the I, I, I want to say, it I was a small cast. Uh, I'll, I'll just say the actors. I'm not sure if it was, I want to say like the, all the women who were involved with that. Uh, but all the people who were involved with that, they were working so hard and they were about to put it on and then everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And for She Kills Monsters, we were just about to have our first read through when it was put on the shelf. And right now the status is, you know, hopefully it'll be on the schedule next season, depending on how all this stuff with COVID goes. And now is that um, rarely done? Yes, rarely okay. done. Yep. Uh, there's currently no plan that I know of to do an online reading of it. Hmm. However, can I do a shameless plug? Of course. Rarely Done Productions has a play reading group. It's on Facebook. It's a private group. Uh, it is not for performance. It's not for recording or broadcast. But if you're part of the play reading group, you can be part of this group. And it, I think it's like on a, at least a weekly basis. I think they actually have two of them lined up for this week. Mm -hmm. So tonight, which at the time we're recording this is Friday, I'm going to be doing a reading of two rooms Ooh. along with um, Crystal Wadsworth and Justin Polly and oh, awesome. Dorothy... Lennon? Uh, Dorothy Lennon and um, Jonathan is going to be our uh, stage manager, stage directions person. So awesome. it's, a, it's a small cast. Uh, they're going to be doing Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Um, actually, I can plug that one. My wife's doing that. My wife is true. Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Corey's playing Truvy. Um, uh, Layla Dean is doing it. Uh, Crystal, I believe. Uh, Crystal Wadsworth yes. is also doing that. She is um, uh, 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 Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> uh suddenly the names fall out of our heads yeah 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 i all i can remember is truvy because that's Corey, who is constantly typecast as dolly parton so <laughs> ah uh so she's doing that but that was um as i said this comes out on sunday so that was actually yesterday and the day before so great job everything yes. you guys are wonderful <laughs> thank you everybody who tuned into that that was awesome to yeah. have that kind of support uh please tell your friends to join this reading group and uh rarely done is really trying to I, I, I give it up to Rarely Done, but to a lot of uh, the, the theater groups in the area, they're doing a lot of great things with Zoom and yeah. keeping us all kind of in touch with each other. And well, we're doing, uh, we're at the Smallwood Sessions here, we're presenting uh, Zoom Theater. I don't know if you caught any of that. Uh, we're getting old casts together and oh. uh, we're putting the show, we're pretending the show is essentially at intermission and then the pandemic hits and everybody has to figure <laughs> out what to do after you know in quarantine uh we did a lay Miz one and the barricade boys were trying to figure out how to do a revolution in social distancing and uh the Tenardier's uh cafe there was was open for takeout only and they were trying to sell merch and uh but then we did 
we've done Peter and the Starcatcher, uh, we did Rock of Ages. Oh. Uh, it's it's really fun. I'm actually uh, the next one we have lined up is Noises Off, which is perfect. It lends itself to this <laughs> well because uh, we're just gonna do a rehearsal. everything goes wrong. We'll have yeah. a Zoom rehearsal, and you know uh, Justin's character. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name. He played the old guy. Uh, Selwyn Sel Selworth Selden. Sel yeah, Selden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sells, yeah. Selsden, something like that. Selstored. Yeah, he play, he plays the old guy, and uh, it's going to be great because he's just going to you know have his face right in the camera. Is this right? Is this on? I can't get it. I can't get it working. It's going to be. And I <laughs> I was Tim uh, when we did that, um, which was the most meta performance um, ever done in the area, I think, because I actually built the set and yes. uh, was playing. That guys. was an so, amazing set. And thank you, thank you. That was, uh, I almost killed myself and many people building this up, but uh, it, it worked out and that was a great show. And I've got 90% uh, of the original cast coming back uh, to do a uh, play read, like a, a rehearsal read, but it's all, it's long form improv that we just do. We go from X part in the show and then finish the show, but with COVID. Um, so that's pretty Brilliant. fun. Um, so that should be coming out, uh, next week, uh, sometime as soon as I can get those guys together. But that, that was a lot of fun. I'm trying to figure out how to get Matt, uh, to fall from one corner of the zoom call <laughs> down to the other one and just show up in like the bottom corner, I think would be great. Um, but I actually just got a Wi-Fi extender. So, uh, look for some crazy stuff coming from me. Cause now I can do, um, a lot more, uh, live stuff and, um, uh, I can actually You've gone yeah. mobile. Yeah, it's actually a lot easier. Like normally doing this, uh, we would have been every once in a while, but I'm, I'm like, nope, I'm going to spend the extra eight bucks a month to get this extender. And now um, it's working really great. So I'm excited about that. Um, hmm. Let's see. You did your shameless plug. I did my shameless plug. They're doing that thing every week, right? The uh, play reading thing. This isn't just the last two or... No, I think they're doing it. I think as long as there's interest and as long as we're stuck in quarantine. Yeah, um, so. And I, and I think you can reach out if like if you're part of that group, or if you're if you join the group. And I think the person to reach out to is Jason Timothy. I think he's okay. kind of coordinating. So like, uh, the way that they've been pitching it is you know if there's a play out there that you've always wanted to do, oh, you know, cast yourself in the lead, mm. get a couple of people to play the other characters, and they'll set something up. Um, oh. I believe. Oh, in fact, if I if I remember correctly from the group, I think someone is putting together a reading of a normal heart. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, great. Which they performed at Rarely Done. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm sorry, I don't know more of the details of this, but I believe the playwright who wrote that play actually passed away recently. Oh, and so it's it's kind of a double, uh, double doubly significant. It's, yeah. a, it's a show that, was, that they've done uh, there, and they did a movie on HBO, right? Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and Matt Matt Bomer. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show. Um, it's a it's a really good show, really powerful show. Um, I actually uh need to talk to Jason because I've got one in mind that I really want to do that I can't wouldn't be able to be done anywhere other than something like that. So I think that's going to be kind of cool. Um, you ever heard of Suburbia? Excellent. The show Suburbia. It's a movie with uh, mm. Parker Posey, Giovanni Ribisi. Came out in like mid nineties. Oh, wow. I, I think I may have heard of it, but like, I wouldn't be able to tell you the first thing. Oh, it's such a good show. It's a bunch of kids, um, like basically the year after graduating college, trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen with them. They all go back to their suburban homes um, and they just finished college. And the one kid, one, one of the guys is like a rock star and he comes back and he's like, I'm a rock star. And then there's one guy with the existential <laughs> crisis and it's a great show. Um, and actually, I think I'm going to get a hold of Jason to see if he wants to do that because I would love to. I've been wanting to put that show on for a long time, but it's not really 
I mean, there's a whole monologue in there where they drop the F-bomb about 40 times, but it's it's like a beat poetry thing that one of the girls mm. is doing, and it's it's really cool. And in the movie, it's Parker Posey. And it, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's called Suburbia. Um, I don't know where you would find it. Probably streaming somewhere, but uh, um, it's really good. It's a coming-of-age yeah. tale of, you know, college-age students. So, but, um, oh, it sounds very Gen X. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, and being of, again, of the age we are, it's right up our end. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So All right. Uh, you got anything else you want to plug or anything like that or? Nothing. Just uh, everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, keep washing those hands. Yeah. Um, we're Wear thinking about you. Take care. Wear masks. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're, we're I, I know it's tempting. It's summertime. I, we're not through it yet. So. Nope. Do your best. Hey, it's me, Josh, again. I want to thank Jeremiah for coming out and talking to us. That was great. Uh, we got to hear his take on uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and some other stuff uh, that was uh, universally pretty terrible. Um, but, you know, it's good to get the opinions on stuff. Uh, Jeremiah, thanks again for coming out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Hey, if you guys are enjoying the Smallwood Sessions, you can check us out, smallwoodsessions.com, Swood Sessions on Instagram, Swood Sessions on Twitter, Smallwood Sessions on Facebook, or you guys can email me at sjtaylor580 at gmail.com. If you guys go to our Twitter or our Facebook uh, right now after this is uh, released, you're going to be able to answer the same question I asked uh, Jeremiah, the same question I asked these next few people we're going to talk to. If you could erase from existence, if you could erase from existence either Jar Jar Binks or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which would you pick? So check out our Facebook, check out our Twitter, uh, and check out our Instagram. Hell, why not? I will uh, put a poll up on there, and next week uh, we will discuss uh, the results. Uh, as again, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the results already, but we're gonna we're gonna discuss what we get uh, from you, the fans. Uh, we're gonna see your views on Jar Jar Binks and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which should go forever um so i got a couple other friends that stopped in to tell me their hot takes on uh kingdom of the crystal skull so we're gonna listen to them and then i'm pretty sure we have the big reveal of dave uh listening or dave watching the movie he, he finally watched it and uh you know what i also i took last week and i watched a pretty bad movie called flicka so uh stay tuned you're gonna hear our, uh, my hot take on that and you're gonna hear dave's hot take on kingdom of the crystal skull but there's some other people that have some stuff to say so here it comes. Enjoy, guys. Um, yeah, but uh, it's the podcast of the Crystal Skull. So we are um, talking to people who've been on the podcast before who have an opinion on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And uh, we have Justin Polly with us right now, which is great because his opinion is he has not seen the movie. I have not seen the movie. Which you are one of the lucky ones. Uh, apparently, and uh, I, I have been told um, uh, by numerous people that uh, I should steer clear as far away as possible. But I do have some limited experience with uh, watching the movie, actually, uh, and, and it is by accident that I watched the movie. Okay. The only acceptable way to watch it, I believe. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So uh, I'm probably, I don't know, a couple of years ago before my son was born, uh, I'm flipping through, I think, I don't know, I turn on the TV and it's set on a channel that I was watching before. And I see Kate Blanchett as this Russian dominatrix. I'm like, okay, I'll watch this for a minute. 
And I'm like, wow, this is really overstylized, really big, really broad. I'm like, I don't know what I, of course, I don't check the guide because I'm an idiot and I can't just click guide. But I want to guess. I want to be like, okay, what is this movie? It looks rather recent, not too old, but I'm like, did it come out last year, two years ago? I don't know. And then I just stick to it because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, oh, I want to figure out what is this movie. And then there he is. There, there is everybody's favorite curmudgeon. There's Harrison Ford in the hat. And I'm like, oh, this is Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's give this a shot. I've never yeah. seen it before. Who am I to judge a movie I've never seen before and only just hear, uh, listen to the, uh, the, the haters out there? I'm like, right. okay, I won't be a hater. I'm just going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Then it gets to the, I'm going to crawl into a 1950s refrigerator you know, just to, you know, duck and cover this thing and avoid that nuclear blast that's going to come my way and then just roll out of it and go, oh, good, good. See, kids, if you if you just had a refrigerator in every classroom for every kid, you'd be fine. Yeah, in well, I mean, it's a... It, it, it has to be a 50 style, which uh, I'm pretty sure the logic... Uh, explained by indiana jones i think in the movie or someone i saw somewhere it was that they had a lot of lead um like around in an old refrigerator and that's why apparently that works it's stupid and it's ridiculous and it does not i I mean most of the houses in the 1950s were painted with lead paint so the houses should have been fine too yeah and with that logic yeah yeah absolutely uh so then after i saw that i uh i immediately went well this is uh this is fun and all but i have um I have to go to sleep or something because yeah. that's better um, use of my time than continually watching uh, this film. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for your opinion. Uh, as someone who's not seen the movie, that's great. Uh, we love all the opinions here. Um, and uh, that was Justin Polly. Uh, you guys may know him as Crewman Tapote. He's been on the show before. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to probably have him on again. He's one of my favorite guests to have. Um, so, um, yeah, that was Justin. Actually, that'll bring up a good question, and we can, mm-hmm. all three of us can have a shot at this. Yeah. Your uh, number one guilty pleasure movie. Like, you know it's bad. It's definitely a bad movie, but you don't care, and you'll watch it anyway. Oh, okay. For me, it's not that it's a bad movie. It's just a movie that I, I really shouldn't be watching. Um, it's a good movie for, like, 12-year-old girls <laughs> to watch. Um, it's Bridge to Terabithia. I, I will watch like if I'm like having a bad day or whatever, or <laughs> I'll, I'll watch that movie and it makes me feel better. And then I get to the end of that movie and I'm like, God, God damn it! Why did I watch this movie to make me feel better? Because it is not at all a feel good movie, but it's definitely one of my like, like I shouldn't be watching this movie. <laughs> not not that it's a terrible movie, um, so but mine, mine is actually the same kind of thing it's not it's not it's not a bad movie i don't think it's a bad movie at all but it's a movie that i'm like i shouldn't like this so much but it's my i'm depressed and i'm gonna put this in because it it makes me laugh so hard i love hot fuzz hot fuzz Uh, hot fuzz is that's a good movie i I love that movie too it's so funny and and the reason i shouldn't like it is because i don't like like the bad boys movies i don't like that genre yeah but i don't care that i don't like the genre because this movie is so friggin' funny yeah but um, i mean are you fans of those guys yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah so that's that's where it comes into play like i like yeah. them i don't get or like the genre 
but I don't care that I don't get her like the genre because they, they sell the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's a good right, one. So mine is kind of along the same lines of it's actually a really good movie. And mm-hmm. the thing that I love about defending this movie all the time is that people take one look at it and assume that it's garbage, but it's actually brilliant and I love it. And it's The Ringer. The oh, Ringer. Right. Um, with that, Johnny, Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville, where he's the he, he pretends to be a, a yes. Huey Lewis fan. Um, <laughs> And join the Special Olympics. Yeah, that uh, that's actually a great. That's a really funny movie. That's a really. I funny well, movie. and I I did the same thing to her because she made me watch it for the first time, and I'm like, I don't know, man. This looks yeah. really insensitive. I don't yeah. think this is right. And then I watched it. I'm like, actually, it's it's really it's good. It's, it's really well good, done. and it's really genuine and and yeah. respectful to the community. Yeah, that's the biggest part is because I, I saw this and I'm like, oh great, this is gonna be Johnny Knoxville just making fun of people for an hour and a half. And then I watched it and was like, holy cow, this it's a lot like our podcast. It's it was really stupid with a little bit of heart, and it made you feel it made you feel really good, and it was really funny. And then the guys in that movie, um, other than Johnny Knoxville, were so good, and and. Uh, I watched uh, actually watched like outtakes and stuff from that because I was interested um, to see how they reacted exactly. to Johnny Knoxville doing that, you know, and that kind of stuff. And because uh, Corey always brings up the fact that she was in a show called The Boys Next Door, which yeah. is uh, in the same vein. It's about people with special needs. And they right. did a ton of research to make sure it wasn't, you know, uh, a caricature and that kind of stuff. So, um, uh it was cool to see the process for that too. And that Johnny Knoxville was actually super respectful to these people and yeah. all this. Stuff. Well, and, and actually that's probably one of the things that made me most nervous when I did flowers for Algernon. Like I was super duper nervous to do that. Hey, it's Matt Gordon. It's Matt Gordon. Good day. Uh, and so I was, I was like, I was hypersensitive to that. I did not want to look like an absolute douchebag. Yeah. When I was playing intellectually disabled charlie gordon yeah um which again i will say you did a wonderful job and as i said it wasn't uh it wasn't a caricature it wasn't making fun of it was a a genuine real genuine performance and uh you know that's funny that we're we're having such a deep conversation matt regarding uh casey's guilty pleasure movie which is the ringer uh with johnny look at that silly matt gordon i know he looks so weird. <laughs> He's just so a baby. Oh, you, you. Yeah, you look good. <laughs> well, welcome uh, to the podcast, Matt. We're just going to keep going here. Um, we just went up. through and asked, uh, Justin actually asked uh, Casey and I, what is your uh, guilty pleasure movie since uh, this is the podcast of the Crystal Skull? So we're talking about shitty movies. Um, what's your guilty pleasure, you know, other people consider it a shitty movie or just kind of mine was uh bridge to Zerbithia, which is one i kind of just shouldn't be watching it's not a bad movie it's just i'm a 40 year old man i shouldn't <laughs> that shouldn't be my guilty pleasure movie but uh my guilty pleasure movie is what dreams may come oh okay okay yeah I, I feel like that movie gets a lot of crap but i just i thoroughly enjoy it the one with Robin Williams where his wife dies before he does from suicide and he then dies in a car crash and goes up to heaven and then while he's in heaven he decides that he's going to go down into hell to save her soul 
and traverses through the nine levels of hell or whatever to get to where she's at and then bring her back okay. uh, to heaven and whatnot. It's it a beautiful movie. It's it, a beautiful, it's beautiful movie. Yeah, visually stunning movie. Yeah. Visually stunning. I, I love the imagery of the entire thing, and it's, you know, but a lot of people don't like it, but that's yeah. one of my, one of my uh, guilty pleasure movies. So I just thought of another one, uh, but and the only reason I, I came to my head is because it, it is also a Robin Williams movie. Is have you ever seen World's Greatest Dad? Yes, uh, I freaking it, love that movie. It, it, so Bobcat Goldthwait directed it. Yeah. Oh, they were great friends, uh, the two of them, and he and Bobcat was like, "I really want you to do this movie. It's a weird movie. Yeah, uh, but it's about it's. I mean, it's kind of similar in a weird way." Have you seen it, Casey? Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's um, Robin Williams plays a father, and his son is kind of a, I don't know, not not the greatest kid in the world. He's kind of yeah. a punk, uh, and he accidentally kills himself via autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh. Robin Williams is is obviously mortified and heartbroken, embarrassed, and, and just can't get himself to say that that's how his son died. So he says his son killed himself and his dad and Robin Williams writes his suicide note and it comes out that you know the son committed suicide the suicide note goes out and everybody starts talking about this beautiful note and this letter and everybody wants to know about the son and the father and they tell us and basically the entire movie is Robin Williams lying and digging himself deeper and deeper and like he gets he gets published or like doesn't it get like published and all kinds of crazy stuff and yeah that's a great movie yeah, so he just keep, he just makes up these complete and utter lies about his son, um, and just get, and can't get out of it. He's just stuck in this awful loop. Oh man! And the yeah. media gets involved. It's 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 a surprisingly good movie. I don't know if it's I don't know if it warrants multiple watchings because you leave yeah. it going, oh, <laughs> that, right. that's it's not a, it's not a feel good. No, it's not. right. But it's 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 it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, actually, let's, uh, let's wash that taste out of our mouth for a second. I watched Jojo Rabbit last night. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah. I have not. Oh, my God, Matt. Watch Jojo Rabbit. It is so uh, good. Um, I'm going to put Casey on the camera for a second to talk about Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Casey, Jojo Rabbit, go. I'll be right back. Yep. Oh, my God. It is the yeah. most wonderful visual ride you will oh, go yeah. on. Like... It, and it's it's funny, it's heartwarming, it's scary, it's yeah. real. The acting is fantastic. Uh, is, I have one exception, one exception to the fantastic acting, and that's Rebel Wilson. But we'll, we'll oh yeah, about that well later. that goes without saying. I forgot she was in it because I hate her. Yeah, but that's, that's fine. She can do one thing, and she can't even do that well. Yeah. So we'll yeah. ignore that. But yeah, everything was everything else was so yeah. good, and just it kicks you in the gut and leaves you on the floor. You don't see it coming. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, that was such a good movie. I I, <laughs> I highly recommend anyone out there uh, go go watch Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. And now that we've talked about a good movie, we're gonna get back to crappy movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Matt uh, Matt just joined us uh, with the sole purpose to tell us his hot take on the worst Indiana Jones movie ever, uh, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So Matt, let's hear it. Um, um, well, it's a movie, um, it, uh, Harrison Ford is in it, 
there was a refrigerator. Um, uh, yeah. Have, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to see, here's what happened. I watched the movie and then I immediately went, nope. And I started deleting the movie from my memory. Um, and so now I'm trying to undelete the deleted movie. So <laughs> like, oh yeah, Shia LaBeouf was in that. Yep. Yep. And was... <sighs> yeah, <laughs> there were beetles that ate people. That was kind of cool. Or ants or something. Some kind of insect was eating people. Yeah, yeah. That was that was cool. Yeah. And then but but uh basically terrible movie. That's that's Yeah, it's it exists. It is a movie. It's it's somebody out there likes it. Somebody. Uh, somebody. I I don't, I don't know who they are. I've never met this person, but I mean they, I mean you're gonna have Dave on later. Maybe Dave's the person. Dave couldn't make it through the movie. He called me last night and said, I can't do this in one sitting. I have to take a break. <laughs> I so get Dave's it. not the person is what you're saying. I, I don't, get it. He messaged me. Uh, actually, you know what? I want to I read the message I got from Dave while he was about 15 minutes into the movie. He I mean, I was, was going to say 15 minutes. That's about how long I was, I could handle, but I paid for an $18 movie ticket. So... I clockwork yeah. orange myself and just yeah. yeah. You had you had you had an investment. I had an investment in it at that point. I was so, like, no. get something out of it. Mm -hmm. So last night at seven forty three, I get a message from Dave. I'm staying home, but I'm starting Crystal Skull right now. May God have mercy on my soul. Uh, and then at eight fifteen, I got Jesus. Fuck, this is bad. <laughs> I might not be able to do this all in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, that's. Kind of, I'm pretty sure I read that in the New York Times. Also, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty that sure was, that was the exact the exact was, critique in the in the New York Times. That's all it said. It was just the 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 news article. It was just Jesus fuck. I can't do this in one sitting, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yep. Okay. So um, I asked this question of uh, Jeremiah earlier in the podcast, and uh, I think it's a great question. Uh, and I'll ask you all. Uh, we'll start. We'll start with the Polly family, uh, who has not. Uh, Casey, have you seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Probably not. I'm assuming no. About five minutes of it. Same he as Justin. The same five minutes okay. that I referred to earlier. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So you guys can kind of answer this question. I'll go with you guys first to give Matt a little more time to think about it. Um, so if you had to choose between uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and the entirety of Jar Jar Binks, which would you remove from existence? Ooh. Okay. No, never mind. I'm not even. I'm not even going to stutter on this. I know my answer. Okay. Okay. So my answer is definitely Crystal Skull, and the only reason I would keep Jar Jar Binks is because I love the conspiracy theorist behind his character. I love it. Okay. So I'm all about these theories on who Jar Jar actually is. So I'm gonna go with that. Okay, awesome. So so far that is actually three for Jar Jar, and two of those are because of the exact same reason. <laughs> I will. So I, you're probably counting us as one vote. I am. Also no, I'm not. Voting. Okay, I will also vote for Jar Jar 
Although that is a reason to keep Jar Jar, I am also going to keep Jar Jar because uh, I, I personally, and I think all of us really should feel bad for Ahmed Best, the guy who played Jar Jar, who ha has who has gotten so much crap, undeservedly. He was he had a job to do, and he did his job. And uh, the Star Wars fandom reamed this guy so hard and so undeservingly. Yep. Um, and he actually, you may you may or may not know this, but he came back and did Jar Jar on um, uh, oh Robot Chicken. Oh yeah, I knew that. That was, that was actually him. Yeah, that was actually him doing the voice. It was one of the funniest Robot Chicken moments wow. of the whole history of the series. And he actually won a he he won a there's a there's a voice acting award that he won for that episode. Wow, um, you know what? That's worth keeping Jar Jar Binks in our collective uh, memory. Yeah. So well, that's I'm voting for Jar Jar. Okay, so that that's really 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 weird because now we have four votes for Jar Jar Binks. Two of them are the same. And two of them are the same. That is the exact same reason that Jeremiah gave for uh, his vote. And no way. Casey, and Casey gave my exact reason. So, so far <laughs> we have four for Jar Jar and two theories because of that. So, Matt, you're going to be the tiebreaker right here. Okay. Well, I mean, it's or not, not really. I mean, yeah, tiebreaker for ideas, I suppose. I mean, it's it's not, though. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping Jar Jar and I'm getting rid of Crystal Skull because I'm – I I like myself. Um, I enjoy who I am as a person. Um, I and I'm gonna keep Jar Jar for the reason that, on the whole, I kind of enjoy the prequel trilogy. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, no, I'll allow it. I, you, you were expecting I, me. You're not getting it. <laughs> I kind of enjoy it. Um, I do not. I do not like Jar Jar. And out of all of the Star Wars movies, like they rate at the. I am. I am of the theory that I just enjoy Star Wars. Okay, I enjoy some Star Wars more than other Star Wars. Yeah. If I had a choice between watching something else and watching The Phantom Menace, I'll probably watch something else. But, but. If I'm taking the whole thing, I I kind of enjoy the story. So I'm uh, we yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep Charger. We rewatched the prequels recently to gear up for um, Rise of Skywalker mm -hmm. uh, because we knew Palpatine was gonna be in it. We're like, well, we should watch the Palpatine centric movies, right, to help get us into that moment. There might be references we don't know. Turns out, uh, not really. Yeah, the end of the day, but whatever. So we rewatched them, and I, I focused solely, only on the Palpatine stuff. I completely ignored everything else. I ignored the Anakin stuff. When they were on Tatooine with the pod racing, I'm like, I'm bored. I'm looking at my phone. And then but that Palpatine, was pod racing. <laughs> then Palpatine would come back out. I'm like, okay, now I'm focusing. And when you think about, like, the Roman-esque crazy politics manipulation that he's doing – I'm like, this is more of a like a, a crazy intense novel or miniseries. This is not even a three part movie. It, it, it's way too oh, yeah. complicated. And the movies, especially the first one, was targeted toward twelve year olds. Right. You no, know, who all that stuff is going to go right over their head. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like, I, I appreciate the complexity of the political situation. Mm -hmm. However, I'm like, all that you know. 
let, let's call mm, 80% of the planet morons. That's a generous that number, but you're not going to get the the stuff that's worth talking about in that movie. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I see for me, you know, like I said, I'm just a general lover of all things Star Wars. I've, I've sat through the holiday special. Um, and I enjoyed the Ewoks cartoon. Hey, I love the Ewoks cartoon. Um, you know, but it's, um, as far as like the prequels go, we're taking a weird tangent here. Not really though. It's all kind of the same. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as far as the prequels go, I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy the descent that, uh, that Anakin takes. And I enjoy watching that descent, knowing the manipulation that Palpatine puts into it. And seeing how every action that he makes, that Anakin makes in his journey through uh, being a Padawan to a Jedi Knight to sitting on the council but not being a master, everything is kind of manipulated to make it really bad for Anakin so that he just gets super pissed off. And then he's like always coming back to the Emperor and it's like, hey, I, uh, I need your help again. He's like, I knew you did. And um, yeah, so... But I like that going through and f just focusing on the manipulation that M that Palpatine puts on the entire galaxy, and nobody saw it. Nobody yeah. could figure it out. It's just like that's because he's like totally the bad guy, right? Yeah. From day one, you're, like, you're yeah. totally a bad guy. Yeah. There's nothing good guy about you. Yeah. But I think Even it's like his... a Ken Superman thing. It's like exactly, glasses, yeah. But without the glasses, it's like it's one of those things. It is. Yeah. yeah. He puts, he puts the robes on. He puts the robes on, and he's evil. Yeah. Exactly. He's just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But and so with all that said, I'm gonna keep Jar Jar and re-delete everything I just re-remembered about the Crystal Skull yeah. from my from my memory. Okay. It, it, so far, the general consensus is uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Scar is Star Skull. Whatever. Kingdom of the no. Crystal Skull. It's is good. that what it is? I don't even Mess it up. Know. It doesn't matter. It's gone. It, it's not a movie anymore, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. We're in the Smallwood Sessions. I am with Erica Mosier, and she has her hot takes on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So uh, you've seen the movie, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Um, so go ahead. What, what's your feeling on that movie? Well, so my feeling is that it has some fun action sequences. Um, I do like that a lot of the chase scenes and things are practical effects, like they did to kind of keep them uh, continuous with the other Indiana Jones ones. Um, I just learned something before coming on here that apparently the studio wanted Harrison Ford to use a CGI whip because he was 66 and they didn't want him doing that. And he was like, heck no, I'm going to use a real one. So... That well, was that's, something a, he that's, fought a for. that's a point for the movie you know there we uh, go yeah the first valid point i've heard for this movie actually coming around so i appreciate that but. yeah so practical effects and steven spielberg uh filmed it on like real film so that it would match so i do respect yeah. the continuity um okay. also it has john hurt i mean there's not any time i'm ever watching john hurt on screen that i don't enjoy his performance even if it's ridiculous but right <laughs> so it's it got that and then brought Marion back so if you were going to bring any of his girlfriends back she's obviously the one you would bring yeah and the least helpless like she's very proactive um yeah. so 
my feeling is it's fine. I also think that the other ones are kind of dumb too. And with the problem everyone has with the aliens, like, I don't know, they had face melting and arcs that like turned people into face melting things and like yeah. snakes that lived for centuries and just were there. I mean, there's a lot of unexplained weird things in these movies. So the aliens, I thought were a strange choice, but not completely out of character. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that this is interesting because this is the first actual like positive take anyone has actually had. Well, I mean, sure, there is the whole refrigerator scene that is dumb, <laughs> and yep, there there's like the ants that eat people in like two seconds. But that mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of like the Mummy, which, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They did it better. No, they, than were, the mummy, but. they were ants in India in Crystal Skull. It was ants that ate people. I think yeah. Right. Yeah. It was like the the. Swarm I think so too. Ants. I haven't talked I mean, to Dave yet. Bugs. I haven't talked to Dave yet, and he watched the movie last night, so gotcha. he's going to be the freshest eyes on the movie. Granted, he did message me halfway through and say, "I don't know if I can do this in one shot. I need to take a break." <laughs> I mean, they. I think that you know, much like the most recent Star Wars movie, they got caught up in fan service and uh -huh. forgot to like talk to one another and make an actual good script. Um, right. But there are some fan service things like, you know, the ants are problematic, but there's always weird animals in these movies. So like if it's snakes or spiders or rats or whatever. Why, why not ants? So, why not ants? Like, yeah. okay. Or scorpions. They have, I think there's like scorpions in this one too. Those are actually yeah. like freaky things. So yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, clearly the whole payoff with um, it being his son, like mm -hmm. obviously I think it's dumb to like wait as long as they did in the movie. I remember it being like a really long time. Yeah, but, and I mean, you knew. As soon as you see yeah. a young dude hanging out with Indiana Jones, that's roughly the age that could be his son, you're going, okay, that's right. his son. Well, and then you see Marion and you're like, clearly this is yeah. the situation here, so. Yeah. But I mean, I appreciate like the motorbike sequence they have. I, mean, I don't know. I find like movies I do, like, is it a good movie? Yes or no. And then are there things I can appreciate about it? So Right, right. There are good things about it. Um, and I actually had this conversation with Jeremiah um, earlier in the podcast, but yesterday. And uh, he, we were talking about Game of Thrones and the um, last couple seasons of that and how the seasons weren't great, but there were some great episodes and there were some great scenes. And I think, Absolutely. you know, if you look at everything like that, um, Crystal Skull has some good scenes and it has some yeah, some yeah. stuff. So, um, yeah, cool. So, cool. A hot take that's actually um, almost a positive bet. Um, and uh, you're talking about. I want to say Wars. that I really enjoyed the movie. I don't want to be confused with that. But there are oh. positive things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Would Would you watch it again? If it was like um, a Saturday and I was doing something and it was on TV, I might put it on in the background. Right. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't turn it I off. Would, I, yeah, I don't think I would actively sit down and be like, I'm going to watch Crystal yeah. Skull today. Like, uh, would, you, would you with the other three? I, I watch Raiders and um, what, I can't even think of it. Not Temple of Doom, the other one, Last Crusade. Last Crusade. I'll watch that one um, if it's on TV. But again, yeah. I'm, I don't usually just be like, yeah, I'm going to watch these. I've right. seen Raiders like seven times There's as a kid. I just, that was enough. Yeah. I watched it like a week or two ago and I was like, oh, this is so bad now, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so if you were to go back and rewatch 
the Indiana Jones movies, would you include Crystal Skull in your day of rewatching Indiana Jones movies? Yeah, yeah, okay. there's enough callbacks. Yeah. I think that it's definitely part of the series. Right, right. Okay, so like later. <laughs> yeah, so this um, actually leads us into the question I've been asking everyone else uh, who's been on here. Um, if you have two options, you can either get rid of, like you're wiping it out from existence, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or Jar Jar Banks. Which one are you going to pick? Oh, I don't know. I don't hate Jar Jar Binks as much as most people. I don't like him, but I mean, as like, he's just annoying, but he's not like a bad being. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say he's not a bad character. He's a bad character, but he's not <laughs> a bad being. Um, I guess I would get rid of him though, because maybe the first, like maybe Phantom Menace would be more palatable. I mean, it still will be bad without Jar Jar Binks, but maybe it will be slightly better. Slightly better. Okay. All right. That honestly, uh, you are the first one who chose Jar Jar Binks over uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull out of uh, five votes I've taken so far. So that's pretty impressive. Um, I, I'm trying to be different for you. There you go. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You got the positive bend on a crystal skull. You're saying it's not terrible. I mean, you're not, not saying it's great. You're not saying seen. it's great, but it's not the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and you would, uh, you'd get rid of Jar Jar. So that's actually, um, that, that sounds mean because everybody else said they'd keep him. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, he's helpful in an accidental sort of way, but yeah. Well, but, um, no, that's great. I love, I love uh, that you would get rid of Jar Jar because I was actually expecting a lot of people to get rid of Jar Jar. Yeah. But um, they, you're the first one. Um, a lot of people feel bad for the actor. They don't feel bad for. I do feel bad for the actor, but yeah. I, I feel bad for a lot of the actors that get the hate of Star Wars fans because, like, yeah. uh, what's her name, Rose Tico, and or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and uh, the kid that played little Anakin, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they were just endlessly bullied, but. Um, I think the thing that Crystal Skull suffers from is if it's going to be bad, it needed to be so bad that it's like a great B terrible movie and it's not bad enough. And I think that's why people hate it so much. Like it needs to be one or the other, like go full schmaltz or yeah, Yeah, and it didn't, it like, it couldn't do so. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, thank you very much, Erica. Um, It was great having you on here. Uh, Hopefully we'll get you on the podcast for a longer session and we'll just uh, sit and talk about stuff. That'll be cool. You need any sci-fi stuff. I'm your your gal. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, All right. right. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Out here talking to people on behalf of the Smallwood Sessions, people who have seen The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the fourth installment of Indiana Jones. Um, and I'm here with Gary Robinson. And how how do you feel about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Well, uh, I did enjoy the movie. Um, of course, it had its flaws. I mean, uh, Harrison Ford was no spring chicken man. And to think that he's actually planning a fifth installment is kind of mind staggering. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was entertaining. It had its funny moments. Uh, the story was a bit far-fetched for Indy. I mean, being the archaeologist and not the uh, alien hunter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was an entertaining movie, and I was glad to see that they did bring Marion back out of mothballs. Yeah. And I wasn't quite sure about uh, Mutt, you know, his uh, 
his 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 would be son there. That yeah. was a bit that was a bit interesting. Yeah, a bit unnecessary if you ask me, but you know it's what the it's what you do. Yeah. Moment. <laughs> I think I think they're probably feeling out the crowd to see what they would think about a possible torch passing. Yeah. Well, uh, they pick. I I feel they they made the wrong decision in that, and uh, the one they should have picked uh, was Chris Pratt. If if it had been Chris Pratt, I think he might have been able to save that movie. It's very possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Shia LaBeouf. He was uh, LaBeouf. However, the hell you say that name, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he was de- he, he was good, but I'm not sure that, he, as you say, I'm not sure he was the right choice. Right. Right. All right. Uh, so you en- you enjoyed the movie. Was it a good movie? Mm. I think that's relative. You know, right. I, I I enjoyed it. The the person sitting next to me probably might not have. Um, right. To call it, you know, good is, you know, some people think Heineken's a good beer. I'm not one of them. True. <laughs> True. Neither am I. So, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I get it. Um, so if you're going to sit down and watch uh, the Indiana Jones movies, you're going to take a day and you're gonna sit down and watch them all. Is mm-hmm. is this one on the list or do you just stop at Last Crusade? I would probably stop with The Last Crusade. I don't really have a, a, a tremendous urge to see that one again. Right, right. Uh, you know, maybe the scene, the one scene where they're, you know, tear-assing through the jungle with the, in the Nazi vehicles. and You know, that fight went on ridiculously long time. But <laughs> but uh, driving those two, whatever the hell they were, boat cars, or I don't even know what the hell. I mean, you call them ducks here in America, but I don't know what the Germans call them. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a ridiculous fight, and it was funny as heck. You know, Marilyn's uh, Marion, I'm sorry that their their conversation back and forth while she's driving and he's fighting. It was just the old married couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it has its merits uh, as a yeah. movie. That's actually pretty good. I, I the later the night goes on, the more positive the reviews are getting for this movie. It's it's quite interesting actually. <laughs> well, like I said, it certainly is number four on the list <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. you know yeah. Of, of of the four movies but i mean i i enjoy the indiana jones character i enjoy the you know the story um the aliens like i said it was a bit of a stretch but i guess you know considering like i said harrison ford being you know aging as he was then and is now um they had to throw in something because he couldn't go around kicking nazi ass the whole movie you know yeah. at, at his age yeah so they had to take it in a different direction and i'm really curious to see what kind of storyline they're going to come out with with number, with number five because yeah. uh yeah <laughs> this just isn't a, a whole lot to say other than the fact that the man is what is he 70 crap 78 years old something like that yeah 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 so i was just like unless he's going to play more of the part that uh connery played with with as his father it's yeah it's going to be interesting maybe he's training somebody i don't know but yeah. he did. He did say in a recent interview, uh, you know, that nobody else was going to be, that he was Indiana Jones and that nobody else was going to mm-hmm. play him. And when he was done playing him, nobody was going to play him again. I thought that was a bit egotistical. You know, yeah. you know, I think that any. I mean, he is. You know, the character Indiana Jones now. You yeah. know, but you know, but if they in 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 twenty years decide they want to do another Indiana Jones movie, then by God, they're going to find somebody to play him. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And the kids who watch that movie are not even going to know who Harrison Ford is. Exactly. Oh uh, well, you know, on that on that note of, of the kids, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit. I'm going to ask a question. I've asked everyone else uh, who's come on and given me their uh, their hot takes on Crystal Skull. Um, 
if you had the option to delete from existence Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or Jar Jar Binks, which one? Oh. Would you, which one would go? Oh, that's oh Jar Jar. Yeah, really? I, I'm, oh, I'm okay. afraid Jar Jar would have to. Go. Yeah, you know Jar Jar was funny, and he he does you know warm your heart. I'm just not sure that he has a place in the Star Wars canon. I really don't. You know, he, he was comic relief. Yeah, and uh, you know there was not a ton of need for that. Then again, when you think about the prequel movies, they did need something. Mm-hmm. So, sure. uh, yeah, yeah the delete from existence. That's a that's a hard one, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Jar Jar, though, that's that's impressive. See, it seems because uh, I actually I just talked with Erica Mosier and uh, mm-hmm. she had uh, the same, almost the exact same reaction as you to both things. Uh, she yeah. got rid of Jar Jar, and yeah, he said, you know, it wasn't the best movie, but was it the worst movie? No, not really. Um, right. And uh, that's really weird because up until Erica, she was the first at all positive I heard about anything, and she was the first one out of the five uh, that I had uh, taken this poll to get rid of Jar Jar. So it's interesting. People who hate Crystal Skull also like yeah. Jar Jar Binks. That, that's what I'm gleaning uh, from the conversations I've had. Yeah, I, I don't dislike Jar Jar. I'm just not sure he was necessary. Right. You know, he, he really wasn't necessary to the story. He was just, you know, a thrown in. He was, you know, he was a, he's a laugh track. <laughs> you know, I mean, please. Misa Pity Stott now Okie Day with the mid-morning munchies. I mean, why? Yeah. Well, for the for the kids, and you know, I kind of all right, all right for the kids because you. you're wading through another hour and a half of Senate mm-hmm. debate that the kids hate. I'll give you that. So yeah, you kind of gotta slap them in the face with that. I mean, not not to justify Jar Jar Banks, because trust me, I don't yeah. want to justify Jar Jar Banks, but I guess mm-hmm. I just justified him a little bit. So, well, I mean, I, I see your point, and with the character of Anakin being as young as he was, and with the other kids in the movie, maybe they wanted to appeal to a younger audience. Yeah. So, uh, what the heck? You know, they they can bring in the new generation of fans that way. Then, yeah. hey, good on you. If there's a five year old kid out there that loves Jar Jar Binks, good on yeah. you. We'll see yeah. all our things. <laughs> exactly. There's probably some kid out there sleeping with a Jar Jar Binks doll, and you know, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Gary, it was great having you on here. Um, I got to go do what you just did and uh, get my kids. <laughs> All uh, right, man. <laughs> but thanks. Talk- good talking to you. Uh, we'll do it again sometime. We'll have a longer session here. You too, but take it easy. Thanks, man. Man. Take, take it easy. Bye-bye. You did the play reading thing last night. How'd that go? I went fine. Uh, Crystal Wadsworth um, asked me like a month ago. She's like, hey, do you mind reading this play? Yeah. I didn't know the play. I was like, sure, whatever, but it's fine. Uh, she sent me the script and uh, I kind of read through it and it's, it's a super intense play. Mm, yeah. Uh, I saw, I saw a little bit of it. Corey was watching it. Um, like I said, I was doing the dropkick Murphy's uh, live stream. So right, I was right. like, sorry guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a really intense play. It's a great script. It was written in, in 19. It's the script is as old as me. Uh, it was written in 1990. How young I am. Uh, you got, I got 10 years on you? Okay. That makes you, do, sense. you do have to, you and, you and Mike King both have 10 years on me. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is weird. Which is weird. Um, but uh, I, actually, I was, uh, I was in costume because I basically wore this white t-shirt. Yeah. Different white t-shirt, not the same white t-shirt. Uh, and I was, because the, the, the stage directions literally say Michael comes on wearing a white t-shirt. 
in a blindfold, and I was like, "Well, I got that." So that show, it's uh, it's hostages, right? You're a you're a hostage. Um... During the uh, 1980s um, uh, Lebanese War uh, in Beirut, uh, and I I'm a uh, the character I was reading was as a, a teacher and educator uh, who uh, got kidnapped and basically spends the entire his role in the entire play is as a hostage. Yeah, uh, and he's essentially all of his scenes are letters he would he would be writing to his wife if we were able to write letters but he's just composing them in his head right uh, and that's kind of the the, the nuts and bolts of the, plot, the, oh, of, that's the cool. plot of the character i was reading and then crystal was your wife crystal was my wife uh, the part i saw the part i saw was her and you and jeremiah um and he was like a um seemed to be a journalist of some kind yeah uh, jeremiah was playing a journalist uh who was trying to uh, get the media attention and the government's attention uh, toward my my situation, and I'm I'm kind of in terms of the priorities, in terms of hostages, I'm kind of a low man on the totem pole. There's nothing mm. really important about me. I'm just that wrong place, wrong time kind of guy. Uh. Uh, and so Crystal is doing her best to try to get uh, you know find the powers that be to get him to uh, rescued. Yeah, um, and then Dorothy Lennon plays actually her character ellen ellen uh was my favorite character in the whole play and she's the state department representative mm. who is trying who's trying to who's assigned michael uh my character as like uh, uh a task uh within the department uh, uh, and some of her stuff is uh, really incredible because she yeah. she's kind of the 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 typical bureaucrat who has to kind of go through it at an emotionless level, but has to explain like your husband is not the only guy involved in this thing. There are a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. but of course Crystal's character is going like, I don't care about these moving parts. I care about my friggin' husband. So there's yeah. this like, it's very a left brain, right brain kind of conflict between the two. And I, it, that those are some of my favorite parts of, of the script itself. Yeah, it looked really cool, um, and it looks like actually it was a show that kind of almost lended itself to the the Zoom style. Like it was, it, it kind of could have been done that way. You yeah, know, uh, I think some scripts are 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 a lot harder than others. I think this one was really appropriate to do it uh, exactly like you said in this style. Yeah, uh, and and the reception we've gotten from it, like some of the comments we got were were really really good, and people seem to really like what we did uh, those who stopped through the hall yeah room. yeah and uh it was two two rooms right was the name of it two rooms is the script by lee blessing i believe the playwright yeah. is again then, it, it was a brand new script to me I, i've only yeah. i read it uh twice once in a rehearsal quote unquote once in the yeah. review and then a couple times i read prior to the so I, I read it only like four times total um but it is a really good script yeah well uh wadsworth's idea did she uh, bring that one to the table for that reading, yes, she brought the script to. I'm assuming Jason uh, rarely done. Yeah, I, I talked to. I talked to Jeremy or uh, Jeremiah yesterday. He was on the, actually on the podcast. He'll, you guys probably heard him earlier on the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was in that as well with you. Um, and he said uh, it was Jason Timothy who was doing the whole thing because I asked him because I have a script uh, that I want to read. I want to oh, do. Cool. Wadsworth note. Uh, she's. I'm very impressed that she's gone from the show you guys did last night to Shelby in Steel Magnolias tonight. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you're just reading the script, it's a little easier, but still, you know, you gotta, it takes something to, 
do that. Yeah. Um, Corey's actually, they're getting ready to start that right now. So. Oh, God, nice, nice. Because well, Corey. And I hadn't like performed it, even though it was just a reading through Zoom, I hadn't performed anything uh, uh, play-wise uh, in over like, in, like two and a half years. Like I, yeah, I was going to say, what was the last thing you did? I, I did Flowers for Algernon. Oh, and uh, you know, I'm going to say this on the podcast. I'm going to say this for the record. Um, a uh, robbery at the Salt Awards this year, if you ask me, that was, and, and I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke because you're on my podcast and you're a friend of mine. Um, that was one of the best performances I've seen in the central New York area. Oh, thank you so ever. much. Ever. That show was amazing. It was really good. I went into it blind. I didn't know what it was about. Yeah. Um, I honestly, and this is how stupid I am. I thought it was about a, uh, a robot, um, like from the future. Like for some reason I was, con- I was confusing it with, there's a sci-fi movie. Is it War of the Worlds? With maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, the funny thing, that's what it was supposed to be. And I didn't know any of my lines. So I just kind of made this up. And apparently I made up a book that already exists. And yeah. a sci-fi classic. So it worked yeah. out in favor there. Wonderful. It, it, whatever happened up there turned out great. So. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, uh, one of the finest works I've seen um, acting wise on stage. And that set was really cool too. I was envious of that set. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you so uh, much. Yeah, Navros yeah. designed that one. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I had Jeremiah on here um, yesterday and is earlier. Speaking of uh, uh, cool sets and cool shows, uh, Frost Nixon, that was the same year as that, right? Yeah. Well, and so I, I, I've, I've talked to Dan Rollins about this, that like the last three shows I did before I, I, I don't say I retired. I, I, look, it's not my career. I yeah. didn't retire from theater. I'm just not doing anything right now. I'll do a show eventually at some point, but people who say I'm retiring from community. No, you're not. It's not your job. You don't retire from your hobby. You take a break from your hobby. So let okay. Anyway, (laughs) but the last three shows I did uh, were three shows that I'm like, I I can walk away and never do a show again and be very proud, but I did noises off with you guys. Oh yeah. Great show. Uh, Which I I loved. I, I can't say enough how much I love that show and I love doing that show. I then I directed Frost Nixon, which was an incredible experience. I had a great group of actors and designers. It was just one of those shows that everything came together so well and so perfectly. And it was really what I wanted. And then the last one I did was uh, Flowers for Algernon. So I went out on three, like, really uh, sh- shows that I'm really, really, really proud of. Yeah. Uh, I can't say enough about it. Actually, Jer- Jeremiah uh, organized uh, – oh, well, I got a couple of cast gifts from the Frost Nixon um, – uh, cast and crew um but my favorite one jeremiah organized and he found it and he uh showed it to my wife and he was like do you think justin would like this and my and casey was like yes he would love it and you can't you can't uh see it on the podcast because uh, audio only mom and show josh that's what he ended up getting me right there oh uh and now for you podcast listeners this is gonna sound like i'm making this up but this is actually what this is <laughs> um it is a painting of Richard Nixon uh, pinning down and looking like he's about to punch a saber-toothed tiger right in the face. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, and and Jeremiah and my wife's instincts were 100% correct. Uh, yeah. I, I love it. I, I can't. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Right I mean, as as far as uh, gifts for Justin Polly goes, that one, that's probably pretty high up there. That's a good one. Uh, so good yeah. job on that, Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was frost in that, right? He was, he was David Frost and a great David Frost. And actually, yeah. 
uh, we were able to, Jeremiah famously wears a beard all the time. Mm-hmm. David Frost does not. And Jeremiah shaved that beard, which is like part of his being. Yeah. Do the part. And I, and I, and before I, I remember Dan Rollins was my producer and Casey was involved in it. She was our sound designer and she was uh, acting in it. And I'm tossed, I'm, I'm go I'm texting all of them at the same time going, would Jeremiah shave his beard? And I asked this to Dan. He was like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. He, it's a big thing for him. And I was, and I, I texted Jeremiah before I, not telling him what part I'm considering for. I'm like, would you consider shaving your beard? And he responds, well, it depends on the part. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I think that means, I think the vibe is going in the same direction. So I call him up and I'm like, I really want you to play David Frost. Yeah. And he could not believe that that's what I was, <laughs> that's where I was going with it. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he, had, he, he was completely sidelined that that's the part I, I gave him. I gave wow. him one of the title characters. And he's, uh, that, that's what he was going that's what he was going for though right yeah I mean, and it was it was one of those like there were a few people who read really really well but he kind of nailed something about frost that was yeah. incredible and it was the same way with uh, tom minion played nixon oh it was the same tom way with tom or where i'm like there were like three four people who read great but tom had a something there was yeah. something else there that was like oh you're really good like yeah you know, you're the guy um, yeah, well, I've I've had the privilege of uh, working with both of those gentlemen, um, as well as yourself. Um, but I, I actually the last show I did uh, was with Jeremiah uh, Shakespeare in Love. He played Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was, great. Was wonderful. Um, you know, and you know me, Shakespeare's not my bag. Um, but he did a great job, and I liked it. He made he made the character interesting, and he made even when he was talking in prose and um, iambic pentameter and all that stuff that I hate. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy his performance in that, and then. Um, I got to work with Tom Minion on Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, That's right, yeah. That was a great production, yeah. Yeah, I got to be bricked. I got to be bricked to his big daddy, and that was uh, that was wonderful. And I actually <laughs> – that's one thing I would love to do um, in the quarantine in this uh, play reading thing yeah. is, is to do that show yeah. um, in a play reading style like that because, A, it's one that kind of could be done like that because there's not a lot of action in that show. Um, mm-hmm. But – and also I think that was a – that was a great show that uh, people did not see. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a lot, and actually, I feel like that that particular year, for some reason, I don't know why, it could have been just a bunch of shows that people didn't want to see, or it could have been something was going on in the world. I don't know, but that year was just filled with shows that were really good. That being one of them. That one being uh, where is it? Glengarry. Oh yeah, Glengarry. I didn't even see that. Corey and I flipped a coin. She got yeah. to go. And it, it, like. I was I was in that case directed it incredible show I love yeah. being a part of it one of my favorite experiences of all time but we didn't get a huge crowd and yeah. sometimes that happens it's like you can get an awesome show a great show that the cast mm. is just perfect in everything is gelling that just nobody goes see people don't see and yeah. you, can't, you can't you can't be angry about it or you can be a little disappointed but it's kind of like all right we did this awesome work. We didn't get a great crowd, or we didn't get as big a crowd as we wanted, and yeah, we move on. We do. We move on to the next thing, and we cherish the memories that we have. That that's all you do, and I mean that's why I love theater and hate theater in that respect. Because you know, when you're done, you you take it down. I got a burn barrel in my backyard. I burn sets. We get rid of the stuff as soon as it's done, and it it's gone. You know, um, and all you have is those memories. But the memories that we've made with the people, you know, in this area, we're we're very 
fortunate uh, in Central New York area to have the theater we have. I don't oh, think you can go. I don't think you can go a lot of places in the world, or the nation, wherever, and have this kind of community theater. I think it's very special what we have here. And yeah, and and, and again, and, and I was being semi facetious before, and that it's it's our hobby. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's a. It's you know, with with community theater, it, it is. You know, I'll call it ninety nine percent volunteer basis. Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of hours uh, we've all put into numerous shows some we love and adore and have cherished memories of and somewhat we're like okay there was that there was yeah, that doozy yeah. and we did that for some reason but we did it yeah, um, yeah. but we do it and we keep coming back and, and people uh I, talk, I know we all have the same exact experiences when you're starting to talk about one of your shows mm -hmm. to somebody who doesn't do theater and then one of the first questions is, are you getting paid for this? And then you go, no. Yeah. And the other question is like, how do you find time to freaking do this? Yeah. yeah. And then you go, I don't know. Hey, look at that. But uh, as I was saying, so Crystal Skull is worse than Jar Jar Binks. In, and that's pretty bad because yeah. a lot of people really dislike Jar Jar Binks. Um, so, you know what, though? You know. I think a lot of people just like to laugh at Jar Jar Binks. And here's why that's better than the Crystal Skull nobody laughs at the crystal skull right right nobody we're all upset about it you cry you cry yeah you get into it and you're like oh harrison ford what are you doing yeah you're better than this you're better than this i mean it should be telling that it was the one movie that sean connery said i'll go out of retirement to do another indiana jones movies then he read the script and said but not that indiana jones movie. yeah so, not that one good day <laughs> You think that would have been a sign maybe to the people who had written that movie uh, to maybe go make some rewrites or something. Hey, Sean I mean, Connery doesn't think this is good. Ah, fuck him. He's Sean Connery. What does he know? Yeah. You know what like, does he know? Well, they thought, you know what? You know what's better than Sean Connery? Shia LaBeouf. Is better than Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. So. Did, uh, did anyone else uh, – and I – this is a completely unfounded rumor. I believe I heard somewhere that they are making a fifth. I heard that. I've heard that. I haven't heard it substantiated anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have heard that there is going to be another Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. And, and then Harrison Ford is apparently on board for it is what I heard. That's all. Well, I mean, he was on board for the crystal skull. So why wouldn't he be on board for this? Well, I wasn't saying that was a, a matter of taste. I was just saying, like, he, he's down to do it again, uh, oh, yeah. I guess. But well, maybe he has to because Shia LaBeouf was supposed to take his spot, and then he went crazy. And so that's not going to happen now. So You, got, you guys think he's going to come back ever? Nah, not the way no. that he was. No? No, you don't not think the... he'd be, he'll have, like, a uh, like a Robert Downey Jr. style, like, renaissance later in life? Nah. I think huh? – see, here's the thing about Robert Downey Jr. He was good. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf is just crazy. Okay. So he's yeah. out. He's he's not he he's not gonna come back. He'll so. probably pop back into random things here and there. You know, like straight to Walmart movie yeah. shelf DVD things. So but you're not expecting a uh, pulp fish pulp fiction esque. Uh, you know, like John Travolta come back. No? Okay. I'm not. There's a, there's I will a, be pleasantly surprised if it happens, but I, I mean, I'm not, I don't think it'll ever happen. I actually, 
I just want to go on record and say on the record that I watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Before I give you my comments on that movie, I have to ask you a question. Okay. Did you watch Flicka? I did. I did watch Flicka. I just watched it right now, actually, Dave. I just finished uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I've never seen Flicka, so I'm interested to hear what it's all about. Oh, man. You will fucking hate this movie. (laughs) Um, I was correct. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is in it, but she is not actually Flicka. She doesn't play the horse? No, she play, She plays a horse. But uh-huh. this, she didn't even get, like, top-billed horse. She was uh, one of the uh, domesticated horses in the, in the barn, in the stable, at the beginning of the movie. Um, and then... So she is this based up, on so, the book My Friend Flicka? It is, yes. It's based on the book My Friend Flicka, and it's got uh, the dude who played... Um, uh, the uh, rogue from X Men, Anna Paquin, her her brother <laughs> on True Blood. Do you watch True Blood? Uh, I uh, I have seen some True Blood. I don't know the uh, actor's name or the character name. Know his name or his character's name? I want to say it's something like Southern. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, but he's in it. Uh, he's he's Darby the only... Gill and the Little People? Is it Darby O'Gill and the Little People? I'll check. I don't... I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm not going to give you a definite no. Okay. All right. But I'm not sure. He's the guy. only... Yeah, it was that guy, and he's the only one I even recognized. Everybody else was like... It was kind of like they were famous people, but they weren't. Like, you, you looked at... You watched the movie... And you're like, oh, that looks like, and then you're like, oh no, it's not. Like, wait a minute, it's live action. Yeah, it is not but, animated. But Sarah Jessica Parker plays a horse. I assumed it was her. It looked a lot like her. I'm not sure if it was actually. I didn't. I didn't watch the credits. But so this little girl um, hops on uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, who was one of the family's horses, and goes flying off into the. Uh, horse path like you do and uh gets thrown from the horse and the horse runs off and uh there's a cougar there Joins the call. does the horse join the call when it runs off <laughs> i'm not sure i i'm pretty sure she the horse ran off and uh met with three of her friends at some quaint cafe in new york city and oh, yeah. about life and love yeah. and <laughs> that, that yeah. horse went on to bigger and better things so it was okay that's cool but then, uh, so she falls down a ravine uh, to get away. Horseshoes? <laughs> yeah, they were super fancy. Mr. Big gave them to her. All right. Okay. Horse- right. No, yeah, I mean, it's a action-packed, wonderful movie. Uh, that's not at all. It was awful. But uh, So she falls down a ravine because there's a cougar there, and she's like, ah, a cougar. And then she fell. <laughs> it was pretty much how that went. It was not a oh, good so That was uh, Miranda, right? Yeah, Miranda. She's like, "Hey!" And then she jumped on the ravine. Facts. That's a British show. That I had facts. Yeah, and then she uh, jumps on a ravine and finds a uh, beautiful black horse named Nothing, because no one has domesticated this horse yet. It's a wild horse. Oh. And this chick's like, "I'm gonna hop on you." I heard that those couldn't drag you away. Nope, not me. 
Mm -mm. Uh, so she hops on Flicka and apparently rides her home because that's what you do with a domesticated horse or an un undomesticated horse. And uh, blah, blah, blah. Her dad doesn't like the idea of a wild horse. So, but he does because he ends up selling Flicka to the rodeo. And then Flicka goes to the rodeo where um, she is like a bucking Bronco type thing. And uh, by a bunch of guys. Yep. Yep. So all these guys are getting ready to ride Flicka and they're lining up to ride Flicka. And then the girl, uh, I think her name was Katie. I could be wrong. Um, uh, comes watch the movie, and you already don't know the main character's name. I, to be honest with you, I was um, about fifteen percent paying attention to the movie. Okay. But I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I think I, I got like got like the bullet points. There was also a love story of some kind going on with the dude from True Blood and uh, like Katie's older sibling. So there was like that too. But okay. it was Katie and the horse was like the main story. That's the one I really followed. I didn't really care about the love story. Um, so they go to the rodeo and all these dudes are lining up to ride Flicka because she's untamed and wild horse and, uh, you know, Mick Jagger and shit. And um, uh, Katie comes and like pushes all the guys out of the way and jumps on Flicka and then uh, rides off into the sunset and um, sets Flicka free. And um, that's that was Flicka, and it was um, pretty much exactly what you expected uh, Flicka to be. There was, like I said, there was a girl and her horse, and there was uh, Sarah Jessica Parker horse through her. And then I, I was the main thing that bothered me about that movie was a, I thought it was animated. Like going into this movie, I thought it was animated. Um, B, the main guy, like, totally looked like Randy Quaid, but was not Randy Quaid the whole time. And that kind of just pissed me off because I kind of wanted it to be Randy Quaid. And then, um, uh, oh, no. Um, no, yeah, I was right, Randy. I was, <laughs> was going to say, no, wait, Dennis Quaid. But, uh, no, it's Randy Quaid. And um, um, yeah, it's pretty much what you expect. So, uh, on a scale of one to four stars, I would give Flicka one star. Okay. And, and Tatum did not watch it with me. I watched it um, pretty much by myself, and it was it was not great. So that if was you were, penance. If you were a horse girl, you would have liked it probably. If I were, you know, uh, Tina Belcher. Yeah. I would, I would have loved it because um, okay. it, it had butts because it had the guy from True Blood. So that was nice uh, for the 12 year old girls and it had horses and 12 year old girls like empowered, like look at my horse. Mm -hmm. um, but so that's Flicka. Um, and that was my uh, terrible, terrible, terrible movie that I had to watch. Uh, but the main crux of this whole podcast has been uh, the fourth installment of indiana jones well if you're not counting the young indiana jones series then yes. okay. right right which we're not uh <laughs> the uh just so the fourth installment of the indiana jones franchise the kingdom of the crystal skull and dave hughes uh just finished watching it for the first time um and i'm gonna apologize that's why uh the the podcast is coming out just a little bit late this week but uh we're getting a pretty much live 
uh, hot take from Dave Hughes, first time viewer of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Let's hear it. Okay, so I tried to start watching it on Friday nights, um, and uh, something terrible happened. Um, and the terrible thing that happened was I started watching that shitty fucking movie. Uh, I watched the first half an hour, and then like I had a few drinks, but I wasn't drunk where I could appreciate a bad movie. I was at the point where I was a little bit restless and couldn't believe that I was sitting through this garbage. I don't know how they got Kate Blanchett to be in that fucking movie. I don't understand it at all. They're like, hey, you see this terrible script? Yeah, but Steven Spielberg wrote it. So you want to be in the Steven Spielberg movie? And she's probably, well, I guess I understand it now. Like I would be in a movie with Steven Spielberg. But the script was awful. It was like, there were bad, bad jokes. So you know how, okay, this is how it starts. You know how every Indiana Jones movie starts with the fucking Paramount logo? Mm -hmm. And then dissolves into another mountain mm -hmm. you, are you familiar with that like that's yeah. how the other three indiana jones well it, they do the same thing here <clears throat> except it dissolves into a fucking anthill that like a fucking prairie dog jumps out of yeah uh, the prairie dog hill i guess whatever you call those fucking mounds mounds like, that's what you call them. yeah um mounds have uh uh, all my joys have nuts, but my own stone. Um, uh, but it's like fucking CGI fucking prairie dog. Like, that's how mm -hmm. you start the movie with a CGI prairie dog. So <clears throat> I know I went into this thing with all the worst intentions of knowing that everyone said it was not good. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I, I, it set me off wrong from the very, very beginning. And, uh, okay, so then Kate Blanchett's in there and then they're fucking driving around in the desert and uh, they show the year. And I'm supposed to believe that this movie takes place 10 years after the fucking Last Crusade. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be like, or maybe more than 10, I guess, maybe 15. I don't know when the Last Crusade came out. When did the Last Crusade come out? When did this uh, uh, early '90s Last Crusade? I think so. Early mid '90s. Early mid '90s. When did this movie come out? Maybe it is 15 years later. But Harrison Ford aged a whole fuck ton in those times. Yeah, he is an old man in this movie. Yeah, he's even older now. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love Harrison Ford, but he's old as shit and should not be an action star at this point. Like there are so many times that he should have broken his hip during this movie. Like, okay. So then it's a whole bunch of bullshit, and there's a crazy magnet in a fucking warehouse. Oh, we have a fucking magnet. What? Nothing. I just, I've, I've, I've interviewed a few other people, and it's interesting to hear your take because you, like, just watched it. Yeah, most of the people that I interviewed were like, I watched it that one time when it fucking came out. Fuck that movie. Um, yeah, and so like they remember, and I'm that's all I'm gonna say because I want to I want to continue to hear what you say. So I apologize for my reactions, but I've been talking to other people. 
and hearing their they're, opinions as well. And they pay Indiana Jones to be like, I know he was always clever and smart and stuff, but like in this movie, they make him out to be the smartest person in the entire world. And they refer to him as Colonel, because apparently after he was an archaeology teacher, professor for all of Raiders and, and Last Crusade and Temple of Doom and stuff, uh, in between then and this, apparently he joined the military and was a colonel for some fucking reason. I don't know what that's all about. They never explain that. They just say, you were a colonel. I don't know. I don't understand any of that. Colonel's a pretty fucking high rank in the military. Yeah. You don't you just know? walk in and be like, I'm colonel now. That, that's not yeah. how it works. Um, so I, none of that made any sense he knew right away that everything was highly magnetized that he could just throw something and then stuff would fly out of the air but only the things he threw were apparently metal enough to be attracted to this thing that they're looking for which by the way later in the movie i'm jumping around here a little bit later in the movie you see the skull and uh gold is attracted to it shia labeouf's character Who's named Mutt, which I will talk about in a fucking second here. Uh, uh, it says uh, gold isn't uh, uh, attracted to magnets. It's not magnetic. But so later, all kinds of things are attracted to the magnet. And I don't know. But at the beginning, only certain things, like nobody's keys or anything like that. And it's just the whole fucking warehouse scene didn't make any goddamn sense. And Andy's able to escape and then he's caught. And then, so, well, some of this is a little fuzzy because I did watch it a couple nights ago and my mind's already blacking it out. But then he meets Shia LaBeouf, um, who's supposed to be super cool and definitely not gonna end up being Indy's son. <laughs> like, Obviously, he's going to end up being Indy's son. And he says that his mother's name is Marion. And yeah. Indy doesn't know who Marion is. But everybody fucking watched it knows who Marion is if they ever saw Raiders, clearly. Okay. So the name thing. I'm sorry. This is the worst movie review ever. Oh, I'm no. sorry. I'm just it's joining. Fitting, it's fitting for the movie. Uh, so his name is Mutt. That's what he introduces himself as, and he calls him Mutt. And you find out later on that he's Henry Jones III. So that is clearly a joke about the fact that Indiana Jones is like, we named the dog Indiana, that's what Sean Connery says in Last Crusade, and his name is Mutt, and that's like a clever little aside to that. I don't know what's worse, the fact that they didn't be like, hey, look at this stupid obvious joke that we made, or the fact that they made that stupid, obvious joke and they thought that it was fucking clever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then they go to South America. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's always an ancient tribe that's around protecting things in Indiana Jones movies. Like, there's the dudes in fucking Italy in Last Crusade yep. that are protecting the grave of the knights or whatever. The, the Indies Templars. From just murdering people indiscriminately. Um, and then they turn out to, oh, they're just protecting the grave. And then he murders all these tribes people. And, uh, okay, 
So there's that. Then they're chasing the skull down. And then Shia LaBeouf swings through fucking vines in the jungle because a bunch of monkeys show him the way. What the fuck was that cartoon bullshit? Do you remember that part? Do you even remember that part? I don't. And you're the first one to bring it up. And I'm surprised because... I mean, I... I blacked a, out so much. It's like that movie is like redacted in my head. Like I blacked out so much of it. Um, that it, it really, I probably should have watched it. Again, of course. But. So there's a epic fucking uh, military vehicle um, chase. They're like all in a bunch yeah. of different jeeps or weird boat jeep things um, that they're chasing each other through the jungle and they're like throwing each other back and forth between the different jeeps and the skulls getting transferred back and forth and they're <clears throat> Shia LaBeouf gets knocked off because he's standing up in a vehicle not looking and he goes through the they go through the jungle and he gets like caught on a tree branch because apparently he's a fucking cartoon character now so the jeeps keep going and they're driving not fast because they're in the jungle, but they're still probably going 30 miles an hour or something like that. Right. And then we're to believe that Shia LaBeouf, who's just hanging out in the jungle and then sees a bunch of monkeys swinging on from vine to vine, is able to, A, have the upper body strength to swing and jump from vine to vine and also apparently faster than a fucking driving car multiple driving cars and catch up and then jump into the jeep and then the monkeys attack the not a nazi but a russian kate blanchett with black hair for some fucking reason and uh you know save the day but wait then is her name karen Karen allen is that her name the chick who's marion yes that's her name yeah that's her name (laughs) then she drives the jeep off of a cliff on purpose because she knows that she's going to land on a tree that will slowly descend and land in the river. You, <coughs> yeah, but the you, river. You've never done that? No. Oh. You but have strategically enough that she'll land in the river and then the tree will snap back up and hit the fucking Russian Nazis that are hanging over the edge of the cliff. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to take a sip of my beverage. Get all worked up here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I can't do a uh, um, <clears throat> dramatic reading of a play because I can't do it without coughing. I hope I don't have any monologues. Hold on. Oh, you do. Then they go over not one, not two, but three waterfalls. Huge fucking waterfalls. In a vehicle the first two times. And then they fall out of the vehicle the, the second time. And they all survive. They're all totally fine. Somehow, the old fucking crippled, insane John Hurt manages to hold on to a giant crystal skull while falling 150 feet in a waterfall. I'm sure that's fucking possible. All right. So, then... It's fucking aliens. Then it's fucking aliens. And uh, 
somehow the Nazi lady who got attacked by a tree follows them because the guy who was the double agent, who was really the triple agent, who loves gold, who I don't even know who his character was, <clears throat> was dropping little beacons that they could follow him because they totally had that technology in 1957 to be able oh, to yeah. do that. Well, the Russian Nazis did. <laughs> I don't know. She's not a Nazi, but she's like, they might as well just stuck this movie in 1944. Like, if we're supposed to believe that Harrison Ford can still beat people up, we might as well believe that it's still, like, the 40s. Yeah. Why <clears throat> have them fight Nazis again? Um, uh, she managed to survive all that, find them. She must have gone over three fucking waterfalls, too, I'm assuming. Yeah. Get in the Cave of Wonders. <clears throat> Um, and then she asked the alien to know everything, and then her eyes explode. Oh, I didn't even mention the giant. So, back up. There's quicksand, mm -hmm. which was cool in 80s movies when I was 8 and 10 years old. Um, and then Shia LaBeouf rescues Indy out of the quicksand by throwing him a large snake to use as a rope. Do you remember that part? Yes, I do. It had to be snakes. Yeah, there had to be some snakes. Why? And then there's a giant, uh, there's giant ants that swarm people immediately and mm -hmm. carry them and throw them down into their ant hills. That's how ants roll. In the you, you've never been to the jungle, man. And then. In the end, it was aliens, and the spaceship disappears into another dimension. And it was all kind of like, what was even the point? What was really even going on? Like, the aliens were there just to be there, and somehow their skull disappeared? Like, there was never really an explanation. And then... Uh, Indy and Marion get married at the very end, and then Shia LaBeouf combs his hair some more because that was important to the plot for some reason. That's what cool guys do. That's a that's, cool. a, that's a character uh, development tool. Cool guys yeah. brush their hair and they eat apples. Yeah, and uh, he uh, there was a part in the beginning where he mentioned somewhere he dropped out of a bunch of college classes like fencing, and then later he sword fights Kate Blanchett while standing on a moving Jeep. And apparently he's very, very good at sword fighting. Someone who uh, appeared to be a professional sword fighter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So awful movie, right? It was bad. You, no, you, uh, I five stars. <laughs> so, um, uh, question I asked a couple of the other people. Um, if you're going to go back and you're going to have uh, Indiana Jones, Rainy Day, Marathon, at the beginning, uh, we're not going to include young Indiana Jones in here. I mean, I guess you could if you want. But uh, you're doing the you're a rewatch of all the Indiana Jones movies. Are you going to watch Crystal Skull again, or are you just going to pretend it doesn't exist? I'm, I'm never going to watch that movie again. Okay. Ever. That all is... Right. Uh, so here's the one thing. The one thing I did like was the fucking score where they keep doing the, you know, the Indiana Jones theme throughout in like different, like slower versions or intense versions or whatever. 
And I was like, well, that's like, that was like the only redeeming thing about it. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford was not good at acting or at being an action star. Uh, and, uh, you know, John Hurt was pretty good, I guess, at being an old crazy guy. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, when you got it, work with it. Yeah. I don't understand. I didn't understand the whole Kate Blanchett thing. I guess they were like, well, we need a woman in this movie. I guess we can make a, a, the villain a woman because Marion doesn't show up till halfway through. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't understand. There was just, uh, I, I wish I could think of the bad dialogue, but there was some really bad dialogue. Yeah. All right. Um, so this is going to be the final, final question uh, on this topic. And this is when I ask everybody. And I will give you the vote total because this, I'm going to play your interview at the end of everyone's. And uh, this, this will have the full uh, tally of the votes. Uh, and actually, you know what? Um, that's going to be from the people that were on the podcast. I'm going to take a moment here. Uh, Dave, I'm going, to, I'm, going to do, I'm going to plug us a little bit here. I'm going to, I'm going to plug myself. And then I'm, maybe I'll plug you real quick afterwards. But hold on. Uh, so you can go to smallwoodsessions.com. We got a website now, which is really cool. Or you can check us out on Twitter, uh, Swood Sessions. Or you can check us out at uh, Instagram, Swood Sessions. You can check us out on Facebook, Smallwood Sessions. Uh, you can email me, sjtaylor580 at gmail.com. Go to any of those things, and I'm going to ask you all uh, the same question on all of those platforms. As soon as I release this podcast, I will release the question to you. Uh, it might even be a poll on Facebook or something. I don't know. But we're going to figure this out, uh, and I'll tell you the numbers I got from the people today but you're gonna know because you heard them all but i'm gonna tell dave after this but here's the question dave if you could erase from history one thing would you erase jar jar binks or the kingdom of the crystal skull Ooh, that's a really tough question and maybe just because it's fresh in my mind do you mind if i game show this out a little bit while i while I talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I said that on another podcast and I thought it was funny. Uh, but they were talking about actually answering a trivia question. I'm talking about uh, just stalling for time is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, All right. we'll be right back so, with Dave's answer. Uh, I hate Jar Jar. Okay. I hate him. Um, He's not, but in my opinion, this is horrible. And I feel bad for the kid who's not a kid anymore. He's an adult, but the kid who played uh, Anakin. Uh, Jar Jar is not the worst part of the Phantom Menace for me. Ooh. Jake Lloyd, the, uh, his character, not Not him. Jake Lloyd. And not Jake Lloyd, I'm sure right. he's a wonderful person. Young Anakin. He was a... He was a child actor, and uh, not all child actors are good child actors. Um, and Anakin Skywalker was so annoying in that movie. He's the reason I don't watch that movie again. Well, I don't know if that's true. So, uh, we're not talking about young Anakin. No, I know. I'm just thinking. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to rationalize not erasing Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> right. But it, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was bad. 
I don't know. What's, which would benefit society more? <laughs> um, because, you know what? Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> People didn't like the Phantom Menace. People didn't like Jar Jar Banks. But it didn't, I don't know. Well, maybe it did. Maybe it did cheapen the entire Star Wars franchise. But I don't think it cheapened it in the same magnitude that the Crystal Skull cheapened Indiana Jones. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Because Indiana Jones was pretty fucking solid for three movies. Mm-hmm. And then this one, it was just like, why? I, I mean, I understand when you're Steven Spielberg and you – you know, you create this this world and you have so much fun with making these movies with these characters and you enjoy that kind of thing. But like, I don't know. It just seemed like, why? Yeah. Yes, I, we're to blame as fans because we said, ah, they're going to make another Indiana Jones movie. That's awesome. But we should have known what we were doing to ourselves. I'm a racing kingdom of Crystal Skull. And yeah. I'm... I'm leaving Jar Jar Binks. I'm leaving Jar Jar Binks in there. Not because I like him, but uh, just because I feel that uh, King of the Crystal Skull did more damage as a whole. It's an entire movie, and Jar Jar Binks is just me some people going to die. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for the Small Wood Sessions, we have our tally here. Uh, and uh, this is going to be my wrap-up, actually, here, right? It's going to work out really well, because I can thank everybody, too. And I'll thank everybody and tell you their votes. So I want to thank Justin Polly for coming out and telling us that he has never seen um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He saw about 10 minutes of it when he accidentally turned it on, and he thought it was awful. The worst part was the refrigerator scene that Dave did not even bring up. Oh, Dave, shit. That's at the very beginning. I forgot all about that. And you were the first person to not bring up how awful – that refrigerator scene was. Um, so Justin gave, uh, he gave King it stinks, uh, in the words of uh, Jay, uh, Jay Sherman, the critic, it stinks. And um, he voted to keep Jar Jar Binks. Wow. Uh, he he voted to keep Jar Jar Binks uh, mostly due to the uh, horrible life that the actor who played Jar Jar Binks had to live, and he felt he felt kind of bad about that, uh, which prompted us into a discussion about how actors are super sensitive, and maybe you should take it easy on them, and it's not them playing. It's not that guy. It's Jar Jar Binks that you don't like. Um, and then I also want to thank Casey Polly for being with us. She saw the same 10 minutes of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that Justin did, and uh, thanks. Um, and then also voted to keep Jar Jar Binks because of the interesting conspiracy theories surrounding Jar Jar Binks, which for the record, uh, I'd like to thank myself. My vote was also the exact same as Casey's uh, to keep Jar Jar because of the interesting conspiracy theories I've heard and uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it stinks. Uh, I want to thank <laughs> Matt Gordon uh, for coming and telling us his opinion. Um, he couldn't even talk about how awful, uh, the movie was. Uh, he really did not like it one bit, could not think of one, uh, gratifying good thing to say about it. Uh, it stinks from Matt. And also he voted to keep, 
uh, Jar Jar. Um, and uh, yeah, he voted to keep Jar Jar. So, or I'm sorry, not to keep Jar Jar. Uh, yes, no, to keep Jar Jar, to get rid of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was Matt's vote. Um, so thanks for that, Matt. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Erica Mosier, who actually gave us our first semi-positive review of uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. She was kind of looking on the bright side of things and was like, well, they brought Marion back. There was some stuff. There was some stuff. She said, uh, was it a good movie? No. Was it the worst movie ever? No. Uh, but it wasn't bad enough to be a really bad movie that's so bad it's good. That was basically her opinion on that. And interestingly enough, uh, she kept uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and erased Jar Jar Binks from history. Um, and then I want to thank Gary Robinson, who uh, also gave us a semi-positive spin on uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and wasn't a flat-out just, this movie is the worst thing ever. So, you know, I think the best we could have expected from anybody was about a... 40% good and I think that's what we got from Erica and Gary and both of them surprisingly uh kept Crystal Skull and uh deleted uh Jar Jar from existence and uh most importantly uh today I want to thank uh Jeremiah Thompson for coming in and doing a big long interview with me at the beginning I hope you guys like that. And he also voted uh to keep Jar Jar Banks and uh for the exact same reason as Justin, um, more for the uh, bad feelings of the actor um, than anything else. And um, he, it, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it stinks in his opinion. So we've learned that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a terrible movie um, and that most of us would uh, get rid of it. We, we would keep Jar Jar Banks over the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So there's a lot right there. That tells you, tells you a lot. But I'm going to open up this question to our listeners um, and anybody out there. Uh, so you guys listen. And uh, next week on the podcast of Oz, I will uh, re review the results and I will let us know. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know how this is going to go. Um, would you rather keep uh, – would you rather wipe from existence – I'm sorry, charge our banks or King of the Crystal Skull? I'll ask you guys and we'll figure out next week on the podcast of Oz, which uh, we have some really cool special guests. So uh, we'll see you guys next week from the Smallwood Sessions. I am Josh Taylor, and I am here with... Uh, Dave Hughes. Dave Wait, Hughes. Who am I supposed to... Yep, yeah, you're supposed to say it right then. Am I supposed to remember what my name is? Oh, yep. Shit. yep. We got this whole thing over again now? Yeah. Uh, I don't have to watch the movie again, do yeah. I? Yep, I'm going to go watch... I'll, I'll see you in an hour and a half. I'm going to go watch Flicka again. You're not gonna see it because that bullshit that I had to watch was two hours and twenty minutes. Uh, oof. Well, this podcast is about as long as that movie, uh, so we're gonna let you guys go, and we're gonna see you next week. Uh, so check us out on our website, the Smallwood Sessions. Well, actually, no, I lie. Check us out on our website, SmallwoodSessions.com. <laughs> that felt cool. All right, guys, <laughs> take it easy. So when, when I was in high school, I, I uh, me and my buddies did something that most high schoolers do, and we created porn titles for all the Indiana Jones movies. Oh, of course. Oh, sure, yeah. So I will share them with you right now. Some are better than others. Okay. Uh, they're all called In Diana Jones. Of course. So that's, that's the start. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So it's In Diana Jones. 
the first one is, is, is not the most pleasant one, but I'll start with that one. Uh, the Rapers of the Lost Ass. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's a niche second out. one is my favorite, uh, which is In Diana Jones and the Temple of Poon. That, that's nice. what I was going to say. That one writes itself. That one's great. Uh, 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 In Diana Jones and the Ascapades. And then the, yeah. the, and really, the fourth one really kind of wrote itself, In Diana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull Fox. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yep. And so yep. I thought some of them really just landed perfectly, and some of them you needed to stretch a little bit. But... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 